0: Fight, we don't have to kill. Everybody in the world really just needs to chill. No, we don't have to bust. no no, no. We don't have to fight. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Just Chill with Oliver George. This is episode number 52, and the guest this week actually just usurped the title of longest recorded episode of Just Chill to Date. But before we get into it, I want to remind you, if you're watching on YouTube and you would prefer audio only, you can get that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and tons of other places like that. However, if you are listening on one of those things right now and you didn't realize there was a visual side to this show, then I would encourage you to please come check it out on YouTube. However you choose to enjoy the episode, though, if you could please like, subscribe, follow, share, all that jazz, it really does help to keep growing the show. So if you've done any of that already, thank you so much for your support. Finally, if you want to reach out to me, maybe with a cool guest idea or just some general feedback about the show, you can hit me up at justchillpodcasting at gmail.com. Now, as I mentioned, this is now the longest episode of Just Chill to date. I believe it clocked in at around two hours and 45 minutes. Uh, But if you know my guest, the very funny Mr. Josh Williams, you would completely understand that because he's super down to earth, really easy to talk to and just a, a funny and nice dude. And honestly, he was one of the nicest guys when I first started dabbling in stand up about six years ago He was always so supportive and friendly with me Never talked down to me as a new comic and honestly a great inspiration because he was always killing it on stage So it was so cool to be able to catch up We talked about a bunch of geeky stuff up front like board games and MCU movies And then we get into uh, podcasting, talking about his podcast, the one man podcast We talked about stand up, we talked about cancel culture, we talked about so much stuff So uh, strap in, it's a great episode and I hope you enjoy Enjoy it how you been man yeah how's it going dude it's been a freaking uh, a long time
1: yeah yeah, yeah. I, I i'm disappointed with covid we have to do it virtually because i was watching your room slowly fill up with all sorts of cool stuff on the walls i'm excited to be able to sort of have a peek around someday and see all the different things that you've got
0: oh yeah and hopefully uh, after the interview you can still give me something to put up on the wall to sort of be a piece of josh williams you know
1: sure why did? what did i just click on get out of here <laughs> uh, click off an email notification and instead there we go. All right, we're back to normal.
0: Yeah, man. So, uh, like, how- shameless
1: product placement. Oh, <laughs> no, nice, nice. My hair was garbage, and I'm like, I don't have time for. <laughs> yeah,
0: I had to put on the hat today. I finally reached that point again in in the COVID cycle of uh, past haircut, past being able to style my hair. Yeah, yeah, it is what it I'm is. You know,
1: try to keep my beard to a slightly manageable look <laughs> as I go gray throughout it, and in, in patches, half of it's gray on one side. Getting
0: yeah, getting
1: older, getting older.
0: That's how it goes, though. Yeah, it's not like anyone gets a white beard just overnight. You know, it has to start off patchy. Yeah, can't just go straight. Everybody seems to get the
1: one gray streak in their hair. It's always a gray streak. I don't have that.
0: I'm getting the fucking Reed Richards on the side a lot too, which I don't mind at all. The Doctor Strange kind of
1: that one works. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we should definitely talk comics because I know you're uh, you're kind of a geek like me.
1: I here's the thing. I like the Marvel movie stuff, and I know some of the characters, but. I, I I didn't really read the comics. I collected comics and never read them. So if you go comic stuff, there's only so far I'll be able to follow before it's you telling me stuff, which I'm fine with. But that's just- actually
0: pretty interesting because that's similar to how I came up with comics. I had all the trading cards and my brother would read the comics and he would sort of like regurgitate stuff to me. And then I'd watch the cartoon shows. But um, a lot of it's just been... Wikipedia holes that I go down trying to sort of yeah well same
1: on. same who's that character in the new Marvel trailer? Look it up. What what is an Agatha Harkness or whatever her name? Yeah is. yeah oh you know, man that was such it's a good Agatha theory. Harkness okay who's that? Okay she did all these things okay now I know, but yeah there's so much of it where I'm like I didn't know anything about Black Panther, you know what I mean?
0: Oh no yes yeah see, I guess I know a little more then because I feel like uh, I'm one of the nerds who when I watch an MCU movie, I'm usually getting excited, seeing something that I was already sort of aware of come to life. And, and that's really yeah. always a fun experience.
1: I knew about the infinity stones. So in 2012, when Thanos turned around, I was like, that's Thanos. Oh my God. Are they really going in that direction? Like there's no way they can do the whole snap thing. Like, yeah, I remember this was something funny that I share. I, I post, I Photoshop the picture. I'll send it to you afterwards. Cause it'll, it always takes me like, Freaking 10 minutes to find it, so I never delete pictures on my phone just because I take a picture and put the phone away and never think. And then I've got this gigantic archive of pictures. (laughs) But I photoshopped, I found a picture of Trump in 2016 when he won the election, where he's like this, Mm. you know, just fist pumping. And then I found a picture of the infinity gauntlet that would fit it perfectly. So it's this picture of Trump like this with the infinity gauntlet, all the gems. And I just posted that on Instagram, thinking people like he's the president now, like he's got them all nobody got it of course two years later infinity war comes out i post the picture again later and everyone's like oh my god that's so funny it's like yeah well it was really funny on election night when no one knew what the infinity stones or the infinity
0: oh yeah i mean dude i feel like that all the time with comic book stuff when you see someone freaking out about especially now that marvel and the mcu is delving into like their more obscure properties because they've already done all the main sort of huge heroes um yeah i i see people like flipping out about even like a character like Drax or or insert any any character who's now big in the MCU and if you would have told me like 10 years ago that anyone would have given a shit about like Groot or you know I, I know, think it's, just, that it's the very Guardians was the
1: first one right where Guardians of the Galaxy that was the first one where it's like everyone's like what who <laughs> but it
0: worked big oh, time yeah it worked for sure
1: yeah and i think that was the point that probably was the point where marvel's like i think we can grab anything we own and as long as we do a good job with it like it'll work it can be Well, when that came
0: out, I I was, uh, like I said, a nerd growing up. So the Guardians of the Galaxy I was aware of was the one that was out in like the 70s and the 80s, where Yondu was like the lead guy. And they did them in the second Guardians movie. They had like a cameo of Sylvester Stallone and his team. That was essentially them. Yeah, Um, It
1: looked like they were going to go off in that direction, too, and maybe do something with that. Maybe they will in the next movie. But no, it's cool. I'd only ever heard of the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, because I played the Marvel Lego games. And it was Guardians where somebody (laughs) collected the characters. And I'm like, okay, it's like Rocket Raccoon. I'm like, yeah, no idea. Groot, okay. Didn't even know they were all together. And then it was like Guardians. I saw this. I'm like, oh, I saw them in the Lego game.
0: Yeah, I just played through those with my kid. Actually, he's uh, he just turned four. So he's like just hitting that age where he can play basic video games. And I've always had a soft spot for the Lego games, man. They're just especially if you're baked or something. It's like the the right amount of challenging. Usually,
1: I like them better. I still play them all. Not when they come out. I've got a backlog of them now. But Mm. but I played all the early ones. And I got to say, I love them so much more when they were pantomime.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. When they didn't talk
1: because it was so funny to see them reenact scenes, but having to do with pantomime, no words. Cause once they started talking, it just got so like obnoxious and childlike.
0: Well, don't they just use the, um, the sound bites, at least in some of the games, they just take it. Some of them they did, but ones like,
1: like DC villains, where it's, there's no storyline, no movie to pull from. They're just, here's a bunch of DC villains or the Marvel ones where they just make up a story. The voice acting is bad. The jokes are like, you're, you're, you're looking at like the worst dad jokes. Yeah. Whereas during the pantomime, it's like you already know the story, right? They could have used the sound bites, but they're using pantomime scenes. Like I remember l- playing the uh, Star Wars one, where like, well, how's he going to say, you know, no, I am your father? And he's just like, he stands there and he pulls out a family photo and he points. <laughs> yeah. at like, it was just kind of funnier, visual like, gag, oh, yeah, like, you know, all that kind of. And it's cheaper. You don't need voice actors when you're doing that kind of yeah. stuff. So It was just kind of it was it was cute and funny for those reasons. And then once they started talking, it was just. It was way too many attempted jokes that you could tell were just really low budget kind of mm. eh, just throw it together. It'll be fine. I'm like, not much. Just stop. Let me play the game. I don't care. For the
0: game oh. plays at least a nice sort of bridging point between parents and kids where for the kids, it's not insanely complicated where they're not going to be able to wrap their head around it. But for the parents, you get those puzzles once in a while that still you got to go and Google them because you can't figure it out. hundred yeah. so, you know. percent. Um Yeah. I guess another reason I was saying that I thought of you as a geek was just because I know you're into board games, which is a, Yes. Uh, only a few comics I know are big into board games th- to the level that I am and Tim Riel and you, and maybe a couple others.
1: I can't take again, Tim's Tim is next level. I can't <laughs> take too much credit. Um, I, I do like board games. My biggest issue is I can't find anyone to, to play them. I especially now. I started, pandemic. Oh, yeah. oh, Definitely with the pandemic. Like I'm, I'm almost over board games because of the pandemic oh, but no. i've got like above this desk that i'm you know working on right now i've probably got a good 50 board games there on top of my whiskey shelves I've got Damn, a bunch that's of like more ones. than me man but here's the thing i've got uh yeah i've got a ton i just remember inside the thing i've got a little small box games or whatever but yeah. i i can't uh i can't find anyone to to play with i've probably paid played maybe 20 of the games that i own
0: I think that's pretty common in like the, the board game enthusiast community. Uh, I hear, like I see memes all the time on board game, Facebook groups saying like, you know, along those lines of like, I don't care if I'm never going to play them. I just like owning them. And like, you know, it's, it's something that I think a lot of people it happens to them with collections. You just you can't help it. When you get into gaming, you start seeing a new Kickstarter every couple months and you you forget you even backed some of them and then they all start showing up in the mail. That's why we have a really strict system around our house of like if it's not getting played, unless it has some real deep sentimental value, yeah, I'm going to bring it and put it back on the market and luckily with board games, you can generally get like 70% at least of your value That's back good. as long as you took yeah. care of your shit. I sleeve most of my games. Sometimes I go above and beyond and like print out extra shit from board game geek uh, at staples. So, you know,
1: if there's a play mat or something or, yes. or, or depending on the size of the instructions, uh, I used to take them to staples and get them laminated. Oh yeah. I've done that. a few. So times. like, because, because I'd have, you know, I tried playing with the roommates. So my brother's big into board games. Like he's Tim level board games and he would basically, you know, try this, try that. My friend Chris brought over to his house. There was like a very small period of time where I think like, this would have been maybe three years ago four years ago where i uh, i went to a friend's house another friend's house and then my brother's house And they were like play a board game play a board game play a board game I was like okay because to me board games were like snakes and ladders monopoly like like i guess they call them roll and move games right you roll yeah move. that's
0: like old school kids yeah games. you're yeah. not
1: controlling anything you're kind of just i'll just do okay pick up the next card okay i just do this like you don't really have any choice there's no strategy i guess yeah, you're not involved, I just gonna do what the thing tells me to do you know what i mean yeah but i think someone had suggested um i think the first one we played was like pandemic or I've whatever they are we like oh that was. that was a great that was a lot of fun and that was way different than a lot of board games. we got to pick and work together mm-hmm. and stuff i played carcassonne and, and ticket to ride and i was like okay there's like a little don't love ticket to ride but i see it's it's stuff Catan. that was the first one i played
0: That's a a big one for a lot of people. I still never got into Catan. The theme always bored the shit out of me. I think I talked to Tim about this. I I can't bring myself to play a game about like agriculture and settling when I could be playing like a zombie game or a superhero game or like, um, especially when the budget is involved too. I'm like, I just don't want to sink my money into that theme. I can't.
1: Yeah. I'd play it if you had it. My issue was like, I'd play a game. That was fun. Let's go buy that game. That was fun. Let's go Mm. buy that game. And you don't realize like, oh, Once you've played it a few times, you want to play something else.
0: Well, that's why when I'm, when I'm researching games, I'm going to invest in. I always like replayability is a huge factor for me because I love to know Mm -hmm. that I can come back and it's going to be a different experience every time. But what you were saying about um, playing a game and then buying it, have you ever been to like a gaming convention? So Mm -hmm. I went uh, with my fiance down to uh, its origins in Columbus, Ohio. Um, because i was still playing a game called hero clicks back then it was like a collectible marvel game i played it honestly for like 15 years on and off at least um but i got uh, a gig doing like the commentator job at the u.s nationals for that game so um people who are into that game it's like a huge deal and you know there was a sizable crowd few hundred people that attended that event specifically but we got to because of that i got a free pass and all that and we got to just be a part of that whole gaming convention and it's so fun to just for three days walk around this giant building full of people trying to say hey you want to try this they're all trying to get you to try their game and get interested in it or buy it on the right. spot and they've got great deals and uh yeah if you're into board games it's one of those things you gotta bucket list go to a gaming convention because it's so cool
1: i was at uh... EGXO or something EGLX something like that in Toronto doing some stuff for for Hewlett Packard Omen computers Mm. like their gaming computers but they had game booths around there that were like card games and oh cool stuff that people were doing so I got an opportunity to kind of see like games in development but and not video games but like card games and
0: yeah tabletop tabletop tabletop. yeah, yeah cool
1: speaking of which tabletop was a channel that I started watching when I first got into oh Will
0: Wheaton Yeah, that was a pretty solid show. I mean, and I, not to take anything away from his show because it was awesome, but I think you could take that exact same premise and format, do it with a different host because he doesn't want to do it anymore, apparently. And, you know, bring celebrities on still. I, I think it would still be a great show as long as he had a good, you know. It's, great. it's a great
1: little mix of like seeing how the games played and staying entertained with conversation because I, I, I think it was, again, my brother, he suggested shut up, sit down, which are great
0: those guys channel, are great yeah
1: great, yeah they're great reviews and stuff like that rodney from rodney from i got respect great. he's from pei too yeah so great great job explaining how the games go yeah but the, the tabletop was the great thing for me because it was like i'm a visual learner mm. so like sometimes like listening just listening to someone tell me over and over like i like Rodney stuff because someone lays in a game with 100 pieces all over the table and i'm like i'm like i, I can't help but try to take in all of it at once and yeah. I can't And someone's reading stuff and I'm like, okay, I'm trying to memorize what you're saying, but I don't know what piece you're talking about. It's too much. I love what Rodney does where it's like focuses on the table and literally shows you the two cards or the two pieces or whatever it is that he's talking about in this part of the thing. He'll take this, you'll move this away and you'll put this on the, you know, just nice and simple way of trying to learn a whole game.
0: Well, because his Um, aren't really reviews or anything either. He's always just doing the the tutorial type. How to
1: play, yeah. He started doing these like, I guess, let's play or or watch it played. Because that's what it's called, right? Watch it play. Watch it played, yeah. tutorials. But he'll do episodes where he's playing the game with, oh, someone, okay. with his kids or whatever. So that's kind of helpful, too. But I really like his explanation because if I'm like, I can't I can't get a game. I'll, I'll see if there's a watch it played on it. I'm like, OK, great.
0: Yeah, he's very concise. Uh,
1: yeah it's it's uh i think that the the tabletop was best for me to like watch people play the game kind of get an idea of what the rounds are like it's still entertaining enough that i'm not like losing interest mm. um not to was well, getting super nerdy i love it uh not to crap on them because they know that they're like another authority in games but i have never seen such boring videos as the dice tower stuff
0: oh yeah <laughs> those guys are
1: so boring
0: i get your criticism so i i have a soft spot for the dice tower um I, I totally understand any criticism. Um, they kind of lack professionalism sometimes for sure. And they are a little stale sometimes, but Tom Vassel's just kind of a character. He's kind of like the garlic King in Orleans or something, you know, fat
1: guy in a fedora every, he's, yeah, he's kind
0: of a goofball, but he seems like a sweet guy. And I do enjoy his, yeah. his reviews and his takes on things. Sometimes I met him actually at that um, origins and he was a really, a nice dude.
1: They all seem like great dudes. It's like three giant ogres. <laughs> from from you no, know sam whatever, sam but, left
0: a while ago one of them left sam healy. sam healy he was the one I, I didn't usually agree with but uh z garcia actually i find him kind of funny
1: he's yeah, like so i saw i saw uh, i watched one of the videos where it's like this panel show that they did at some expo or whatever and it was like now the sexiest member i'm like if Z is the sexiest <laughs> member, that's got to tell you guys something. And then the, the guy who's number eight or whatever, yeah. the one who knows the voice. Hi, I'm so-and-so from the Lace Tower. Anyways, oh yeah, I have no issue with their thoughts and stuff on games. They are helpful. The problem is, is that they'll do these videos that are like 40 minutes long. It's the camera yeah. set up in one spot. There's no there's no cuts. Yeah. The lighting's crappy. So Our top I mean, when I started games. my podcast, I didn't want the, anyone to have to suffer through the audio. So I'm like, I'm going to get good audio equipment, While I'm stuttering and trying to figure out what the hell it is I'm going to be talking about, I didn't want the audience to have to suffer through the tech aspect. So those guys have something. I'm going to pull this back down, back to my shameless (laughs) stuff. Uh, Those guys have great, uh, great content. It's just the execution, the tech, the production value is what I take the biggest issue with.
0: Well, and what you were saying about tabletop, I think tabletop is in its own lane because that show not only taught you the game, generally speaking, but it also made you feel like you were at a Friday night party game night. And yeah. it has this reality TV thing where they did like these office cutaways almost, where they're like talking directly to the camera about what's happening in game. <laughs> uh, it was a very genius kind of angle that they used.
1: And the graphics were crazy. They would yeah. they would start playing the game and then they would explain what was happening during that turn. Yeah. Phase one, people do this. You got to do this. You got to do Okay, great. And it's showing the stuff moving around. Like it was great. And then yeah. back to the table, a couple jokes. They would know when to move like kind of speed forward because like rather than just watching the same turns, let's move forward into kind of the second phase of the game where things change now that you've got an idea. So it was, it was an end for me. It was an entertaining way of going, okay, I've heard of that game. Let's see what it looks like when it's played. And I'm not going to be bored waiting to find out. Like, yeah, there's yeah. been lots of ones where I've lots of games where they don't have a a shut up, sit down. They don't have a tabletop. They don't have a, you know, Dice Tower has everything. But again, I, I just, I can't watch I see, it.
0: I seek out like obscure games sometimes. And it's the worst when you're looking for some game that really doesn't have a lot of reviews. And then you find someone you're like, oh, this looks all right. And as soon as you get it, it's some guy who's like, uh so uh and you know like the monotone voice the whole time staring at the camera like just no personality um there's a lot of bad reviews out there for sure yeah
1: i like the game boy geek i think he used to be with the dice tower or something and then he had his own channel but oh, i never heard of him. he he does a good job there's there's the odd one where like nobody else has a review but he's well spoken he's good production value or whatever but just not as big as some of the other ones
0: shut up and sit down those guys i give mega bonus points to because they just put so much uh creativity and theatrics into their videos like they must do improv or something because they are uh, at least the one guy Quinns. he's he's hilarious
1: yeah. And he's, uh, th- I know that the one guy, the, the, the redheaded feller there, he's in Canada now. He left. Okay. Oh, yeah? He's uh, my understanding is that he's in Canada now working on something. So he's not on the channel. I haven't watched, I don't think I've watched any of this stuff since the pandemic. So I'm like two years behind on some of these channels, but they were, they were great in terms of just, you know, it sounds so geeky playing the board games, but I like the social aspect of Same it. Here. A lot of them are not, they're not hard. You know what that's I mean? why it's a hard talking. sell like, for
0: me when games are like oh this game uses an app i'm like the one thing i want to not do when playing board games is use my phone i'm trying to like you know
1: yeah i don't mind it for things like uh, code names where it's just showing you the grid on your phone instead of you know a card on the table very yeah. little things like that where it randomly generates because i want to stop the rounds go back in shuffle the deck pull another one out i'm like oh look it's just app refresh boom new new screen little things like that i don't mind but when it's like
0: when it's a heavy part of the game, like
1: something like Mansions yeah. of madness or whatever, if that's the name of it.
0: I know uh, I've heard of that game.
1: Yeah. It's, it's one where like the entire thing is like taking place on your iPad while you're putting tiles down the table. So it's, there's a lot of moving parts in some of these games and you have to have a group that's willing to learn a new game. I, I don't do any of that Warhammer stuff. Or oh no. Sometimes the that's games way complicated. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, all right guys, we're going to meet back up every three days. It's like stuff like that can't happen during COVID for me. I like uh, I like light games, same here. Um, but I but I do like to get into something a little thematic. Like I'd totally be willing to play a game that took like three four hours for an evening. Okay, we're gonna play it. Like I've got stuff like Fury of Dracula, where Heard it's you know a idea. bunch of different vampire hunters trying to catch Dracula, and it's hidden movements. So whoever's Dracula? They're moving around. They're kind of keeping track of it. Nobody knows what's going on, but it's thematic. You're moving through Europe. You're you know moving on trains and boats, and you know there's it's I don't know. It's I like anything with a theme. You know, I can do easy stuff like Catan. Like a ten, there's not a whole lot of agriculture, if any. You're basically building roads and houses.
0: Maybe I'm mixing it up with another similar Agricola settling game. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's it. Yeah, Agricola, Well, it was it or, was
1: yeah. called Settlers of Catan originally. Now it's just Catan.
0: Oh, but
1: there's a lot of there's a lot of great games, like some easy ones. Uh, I don't know uh stuff like Dixit. Dixit's yeah. a great game. You know, I've heard of that. Uh, stuff like. It's honestly the the I think my brother explained it to me in the sense that the more choice that you have in a game it's kind of dictates how much fun it is. So, when you're playing those ones like I described, where you roll a dice and you move, I mean, you could play a four player game of snakes and ladders by yourself. I don't right? agree with that statement
0: completely because you can get games where you have too many choices that it can be overwhelming for a lot of players. And you end up just like kind of staring at your options. And i like, I don't even know what's the best thing to do. You know? You're
1: right. Yeah. That is fair. Too, like, you get what is it? Uh, analysis paralysis. There you go. Yeah. 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 Where you're just like, okay, there's too much going on. But I just mean a game where like if your option is like, do you want to roll or do you want to pick up a card? It's kind of like, eh, it's not a lot of choice and still yeah. random. Whereas, like games where you can pick what it is that you want to do. You know what I mean?
0: That's the big argument that I always hear, though, amongst gamers and everyone seems to fall somewhere on the spectrum of how much randomness they like in their games. And obviously, like Candyland and stupid shit like that is like at the bottom of the barrel. But there's certain people like my older brother. He would prefer a game where everything that happens in game is based on choices that you're making. There's no dice rolling. There's no flipping from the cards. You know, it's all just tactical decision making. I like at least like a 25 percent you know, a couple of dice chucking around, or some element that even if your best laid plans are all ready to go, you might get fucked. You know,
1: it's a slight equalizer too. If one person's very strategic and someone's not as much, that strategic person can flip over a bad card. The the not exactly, yeah, it
0: gives it. you a fighting so chance. I,
1: I have no issue with the slight amount of random, um, you know, randomization. It's interesting to learn to the different technical terms for games. Like yeah, like, again, someone's game. like Oh, it's a roll and move game. I'm like. I know I'm probably not really going to like it. If someone's like, oh, it's social deduction. I'm like, okay, I know we're going to be trying to figure Worker out like, a lot of the social deduction ones. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: Worker placement, engine building, like that well, kind of well stuff. Like, Roll right
0: okay. There's dungeon crawlers. Yep. There's, uh, we play a lot of, um, what's it called? Asymmetric skirmish type games, like sort of where you're some sort of a battle, but okay. you have completely different power sets or, or, you know, things you can pull off. Like, I don't know if you've ever played this game called Unmatched. It's uh, super, super awesome. It's not expensive either. Like, any one set will come with a couple characters usually. I think even mm-hmm. the big boxes come with four characters, and they're like 50 bucks. But um, it's super easy to just jump into. The attacking system is super, like, um, easy to comprehend. If For range, I've never seen range handled so beautifully, where literally, if the person is standing in the same colored circle as you then you can see them and some color or some circles have half color like they'll be half blue half red so um but it's it's like the coolest thing about it is fighting sasquatch versus bruce lee or fighting buffy the vampire slayer versus the invisible man like it's got really uh, unmatched it has jurassic park i think they're bringing a Marvel into it soon oh, too.
1: No, that's usually what'll send me running, is when a game starts to over license itself with they've I, done
0: that I, sort I, of since was. the beginning. On and off, every second or third set will be some some IP. But uh, honestly, it's still been really enjoyable. And with Marvel coming, okay. I'm really happy they didn't pick like the Iron Man's and Captain America. They picked like Ghost Rider and Moon Knight and uh okay. Squirrel Girl and like some more kind of D-listers, which I I'm a little excited for. But um Before we stop talking board games, because I feel like I could talk (laughs) board games forever and there's like, no one's going to be watching this podcast at this point. (laughs) I should edit it. So this shit's at the end, but I want to show you uh, a piece from a new game that I got.
1: Yeah, yeah, please. I'll
0: edit this out. The whole uh, me walking.
1: Oh yeah, no worries. No worries. I'm uh, trying to think of some of the ones I got. Like I started off with like the code names and things like that. And then I tried to bring something like Dead of Winter to the table because I live with Jason, Kamar, Simon, you know, Noreen would come over and it's just like, I, I tried too early to show them something with a little bit of, you know, substance to it, like, like dead of winter. They all watched walking dead. So it's like, we're just playing the walking dead. There's just different things to consider. And they were like, Oh, it's way too complicated. Like Jason, I don't know. Have you played dead of winter? Uh,
0: no, but I've, I've researched it a lot cause it did look pretty unique.
1: Oh, it's great. And the, the idea is that it's got like a defector in it where like one person could be a betrayer. Mm. But there might not be a betrayer, just like the walking dead when you're watching the show is this person with us or are they, against what are their us? motives? We can yeah. never really trust. We can never really trust whether or not they're on your side. And then of course the uh, crossroads deck, which is just every turn you pull a card. And then if the, the, you know, situation on the card happens, you stop everything. And then you've got this like, choose your own adventure aspect to it.
0: Mm. Very um, narrative.
1: Yeah, uh, but, they, but yeah. Then when they play, they're like, well, let's play without a defect. Let's play without a betrayer. I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, let's play without a... Okay, well, we got the crossword. Well, let's just play without the crossword cards. I'm like, well, you're, you are you want to sample this game, but you're taking you're the two best things out of it and then you're going to yeah. try to give it a fair review. That's like, let's watch this Marvel movie, but don't put a bad guy in it. Then where's the conflict? Like, yeah. you're, you're eliminating everything it's from struggle. the game. Yeah. yeah, so like... Well, that's why it, it's, so like, key, like, key, hard.
0: it's so key to have um, like a varied progressive difficulty menu amongst your games for when people come over, because there are like so many different levels of experience with gaming and some people, you know, I'm going to show them King of Tokyo or something that I can play with my kids. But if I know you're a gamer and you're coming over, then I might break out something a little meatier. But honestly, my collection's not that meaty. Like as far as rules, complexity, we like games we can play when we're having adult friends over and getting drunk. Like, I don't know. I
1: find the biggest hurdle is trying to get someone to be open-minded to learn something new. And, and oh it's so guys, there's like two rules. I'm like, it's super. Yeah, I don't feel like learning. it. It's too, it's too complicated. You haven't even heard it yet. It's but not if you can
0: twist their arm and succeed in getting them on board. They're usually like, oh, let's play again. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. That was awesome. You know, and then 100%. they go and buy it next week. Um, Machi anyways, yeah, Koro. I, just, yeah, yeah I got um, finally a game that I, I backed on Kickstarter like three years ago. Um, Part of that's the pandemic. Part of it's just the company was kind of, you know, screwing up on a few things. But the thing they didn't screw up on was the miniatures. These are the game pieces, okay? Look at this. Oh, wow. It's a Street Fighter game, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Look look at Delsim here. The yoga flame coming out.
1: That came like that?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. These are all pretty good. Is that like a big
1: tier upgrade, or, or that was just um, it, No, the,
0: the game, pretty much from the get-go, they pitched it as, like, we want to create the most aesthetically beautiful game. Obviously, they wanted to have a good engine behind it, and thankfully, I can report that it is a fun game. Uh, but, yeah, they were like, we're going to make the best-looking miniatures that you can ever get pre-painted with, like, we're going to go back and forth with the factory until we get the eyes perfect. Some of those
1: look like clear plastic on them.
0: Yeah. They've (laughs) all got some sort of energy effect for the most part. I think there's like two out of the 36 guys that I have that don't have energy. Did they
1: all 36 come with the game.
0: Uh, no, the, I think the base box had like six and then there was a boss expansion with a couple more, but I, got every stretch or not stretch goal, but every add on that I could, I bought just because I was, I'm kind of that gamer. I'm all in. If I'm going to buy. Oh, I'm the same game.
1: way. I own everything that I can get for scythe. I played yeah. it zero times. Oh, I have four expansions. I have metal coins and bullshit little, but like <laughs> I've probably sunk over a thousand dollars into a game. I've never played.
0: But at least you can sell it still. If you've got all that stuff.
1: Let's hope so yeah, uh, box inserts for it. I've got the the wooden broken token box inserts yeah, yeah. and the legendary ball that fits in the, and you just like throw in my, I'm like, I'm like, well, this, this looks nice. That will be really fun when I get to play.
0: See, it. That's like a fool me yeah. once kind of thing. I I'm sure I've done that in the past, but I've really gotten a lot more specific when I'm buying games about like, how often am I really going to play this? How much storage space is it going to take up? How much does it cost? Like there's a lot of, uh, variables that go into the decision nowadays.
1: A hundred percent. I, I, I've taken a big step back from my board game purchasing. Cause I'm like, I said, I I can't play the ones that I have, you know, I keep looking for something that, that my roommates will play and they like a lot of the ones, but I'm just like, guys, let's, let's play. Like all they want to play is code names. And I'm oh, like, really? I'm like, so guys you got to keep, keep trying games. new ones
0: for sure. Yeah. There's, yeah.
1: There's other games like, you know, and I'm like, I'm, I'm buying them. You don't have to pay for them. You just have to sit down and let me show you a new game. Like, there's everything I've shown you. You've liked that first dead of winter. Like I have to fight to show them anything new, because they just remember that first time where I brought something complicated to the table. Everything else I've I know, shown right? Them, yeah,
0: games. bad. Like everything else I've shown them. Uh, like, yeah, bad first impression. You can turn people off from games that they would probably love if they just got through it. Yeah, yeah. I keep saying
1: I'm sorry. I thought you guys were smart enough to get the first one. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I get it. I get it.
0: A little bit of reverse your price game, well, there. Me. Yeah,
1: <laughs> a little passiveness um, on my part.
0: Shit, man. Well, um, there's definitely a lot I want to talk to you about that's not board game related. Hopefully some people are still uh, tuned in. But, um, I, I well, can't if you want to
1: cut this and put it at the end, I'm funny.
0: yeah, maybe I'll, I'll flip it around and do a little uh, explanation there. I'm
1: also not on the time frame, So please take as long as you want. I know, I know you work this evening, but don't feel, yeah.
0: On- I work overnight at like 11. So, I mean, I'm good, okay. man. I'm pretty flexible. Just for
1: what it's worth, please don't feel like you got to cut it short or anything like that. Like whatever you want to talk about, I'm, I'm good with
0: right on, man. No, I love just shooting the shit too, though. Um, okay. Well let's talk about just how we met, I guess, which was through comedy. Um, but I was just going to say that when I met you, cause I kind of just jumped into comedy. I tried it one, an open mic night at, um, open mic night, excuse me at yuck yucks. And it went fairly well. I kind of loaded the audience with a few of my friends in the front row. So maybe that boosted as, my as A rate. lot of us do. Yep. Yeah. But right after that, I was like, okay, I'm good to go. Now I can join the competitions and, and those went really well too. So I got like a bit, um, I wouldn't say cocky cause I wasn't being a dick to anybody, but Um, I was really excited and really over the top, I'm sure when I'm talking about comedy to people like you and you were always really, uh, just really nice guy. You were never condescending. You were never like, um, snobby because you had been in the game longer or any of that. You were always just willing to have a chat and yeah, you shake your head, but a lot of people do kind of act like that to the newbies, you know,
1: treat people the way you want to be treated. Right. We're all, I'm still, where am I on the ladder? I'm nowhere, you know? Nobody, yeah, but you when you're that. a
0: complete noob and you go to any comedy show, you don't know who's been on stage how many times, so you just kind of assume everybody has more experience than you, which they probably do,
1: maybe. I don't know. I think everybody has has experiences that they can teach somebody else. True. I I always liked your enthusiasm. I I was worried for you because I know when you started off, you were so enthusiastic, and I'm I'm not the kind of person that would want to step on anybody's enthusiasm. In fact, you need it in this business because it will get bashed out of you. So the more, yeah, but
0: I was have, like a Disney character or something at the beginning. No, no but
1: the more, no, but the more you have <laughs> front loaded, the more you'll be able to keep going because the business does kind of kick it out of you yeah. after a while. Like it, it is a grind and it's, it's, I don't know, like anything else, he's politics and it's not like you learn over time that it's sometimes it's not how funny you are in this business that, that gets you forward. Um, and my position as someone running like an open mic or whatever. Like I, it's funny. Like I always wanted everyone to win. I realized that this business is not designed that way. Yeah. But I'm like, I, I always want everyone to do well. I always want everyone to win. Like there's, there are people in this business that will, I don't want to say sabotage you, but like maybe the advice they're giving you isn't the greatest. Yeah. You know, guys well, are always a lot saying, of like, petty, hey,
0: petty people for sure.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, but it's just, it's one of those things where people would be like, Hey man, can you watch my set? and And I'm like, I can, but who am I to tell you what? Like, I would always try to tell people, like, listen to the audience; they're laughing. You're doing it right. Like, don't worry about yeah. what I, think because I, I can't make them laugh all the time. The the two pieces of advice I've always given to people starting off in stand up is like, number one, like, whenever someone offers you advice, I go just listen politely, take what makes sense to you, disregard the rest, mm-hmm. politely, like, not like ah, I don't agree with that. Like, just yeah. whatever they say, smile, and nod, thank you for your time, whatever it is and then just if it makes sense you cool but keep in mind too that that any advice you take is just going to make you more like that comic and all the exactly. best comics blaze their own trail yeah Do you know what i mean so i always tell people like you can take advice sure and but don't just take it and implement it because somebody gave it to you because you can see two great comics that will give you 100% conflicting advice on the same thing they're both successful with it so like i it, think I, um I mean,
0: when i first first tried stand up i was so wanting it to be different from all the other bullshit jobs I had had. Not that I was planning on getting getting paid or making money off of it, but just like something that I could do just for the fun of it. And at the beginning, it really, really was. And then I felt like almost instantly I met people who didn't like that that was the amount of respect or or whatever that was the amount I was willing to put into it was I'm doing this to have fun with it and other people would be like oh well you don't deserve to be here because real guys like me are grinding and we got the real passion and you you meet guys like that and it's very off-putting when you're just trying to be like you know let's just go like you said make some people laugh why does it have to be more complicated than that
1: I personally have a position on that um and I've, I've said this I think on my podcast and other interviews I don't have a problem with somebody who's just wants to have fun You don't have to, to make it a business. It doesn't have to be your life, your passion. Um, but my position on it is this, is that like there is a finite amount of stage time. It's like, if you want to go, um, I don't know, bake bread, you're just, your, your passion is baking. Well, your baking bread at home isn't stopping anyone else from baking bread at home. Mm. Um, whereas on stage, there's only so many stages, so many spots,
0: so, so were like communal is, communal ovens and there was a limited number. Maybe even. Ovens. And
1: I've never used the bed breaking <laughs> bread baking example yeah, before. Yeah. But I just mean that like even if you were doing something just as a hobby, I my but the only time I took issue with someone saying, hey, I'm just having fun was when they did poorly. And then when trying to evaluate, they're like, ah, I'm just having fun. Like, mm-hmm. listen, man, if you were whittling in your garage carving wood, you'd still want to get better at it. Just because you're doing it for fun or as a hobby, you'd still want to improve. So the only issue I ever took with people who were like, I'm just having fun was when they would use it as a way of dismissing a bad set. Yeah, And I'm like, all I was thinking was, look, you are taking stage time, whether it's going to be professional or not, at least try to make it better. Do you know what I mean? Like at least we're hobby or not, try to get better. Don't use the I'm just having fun as an excuse for taking that spot from someone else who would use it to improve r- regardless of whether pro or, or hobbyist. That yeah. was the only issue I took with it. It's just um, I'm just having fun is not an excuse for mediocrity. That's that's kind of my position. If that makes sense. No, that's good. That's advice. not an elitist thing. It's just that if you're going to take the amount of times I have called absolute or or on an open mic Monday that I was running gave my spot away or, or called and said hey i am not working on anything new tonight uh, see if there's anybody else who wants it oh, yeah? but to me that's like i'm taking something that someone else will use and if i'm just going to go do do jokes that i already know work i'm taking it from someone else so for what it's worth i hold myself to that same standard of like if i'm asking for a spot i there should be part of it. i'm not saying everything has to be a new joke or whatever but i should be working on something it's like now that you know you gym memberships you book a slot and you can only go at a certain thing it's like well if i just go and kind of walk around and look just at the or- fountain i'm <laughs> wasting that spot that someone else to use to, to actually work out
0: yeah i right? know i get so, it that's
1: and that's all i mean it's just it's not a disrespect you do not have to search this professionally anybody who's looking for it it's just you know if you're taking something from someone else use it you know what i mean yeah anyways
0: no i try to get that it's a certain like level of respect for the art form in itself and for the community
1: and for yourself i, I think a lot of people too would have just used that whole ah, i'm just having fun like i said as, as dismissing a poor set it's like it's okay that you're just having fun but you should still get better yeah you know what i mean you're not cooking professionally at dinner time but you don't want to make a meal that's shit and go ah not getting paid for this you know what i mean like you still if you're doing something do it with excellence regardless of the outcome, because. All the best businesses, even if you were doing something professional, you don't focus on, I want to make money You focus on, I want to make an awesome product yeah. because that's where the money is going to come from.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I never even cared about the money, to be honest. I never, I don't know that I ever thought I was a good enough comic to make it to that level where I, maybe I just knew I didn't have the, uh, the commitment level to like, I'll, I'll always enjoy doing comedy and, and sure enough, I signed up for the, uh, the competition at yucks next month. If it ends up happening, um, cause I like to push myself. I like to just book a date and then just have that fire under my ass and force myself to write something. Um, but I don't know that I would ever want to commit to like trying to really grind like some of these people.
1: I think it's, I personally, I think it's a fear thing, right? Cause if it's something we enjoy, why wouldn't we want to dive in with both feet? But it's so uncertain. Like it's one of those things where like I could, what well, takes a lot of time we'll too. hundred percent. It's if you like, really I gotta, wanna, you know, if I live and breathe it, you've got a family, right? You've got, yeah. you're married, you've got a kid. Like to be like, I'm going to just, chase hard and you got to grind like you can't just be like i'll casually do it and get noticed you got to stay relevant and social media and promote and you got to learn how to treat it like a business a job that you're not getting paid for until x amount of things happen and there's guys who i know that that you know when they started off they're like i'm just gonna do it as a fun thing uh nick burton yeah uh birdie did his first show at, at open mic mondays when i was running that and he started saying that like he was gonna do he just wanted to do stand up between uh golfing and snowboarding was what he told me and i just said careful man because it'll it'll get its hooks into you like it's it's addictive and if you have any level of talent like you're you're yeah. going to get good. And now he's and Nick's and a funny guy and he, he got into it. He had had funny ground. Now he's probably one of the hardest working people in the city about actually creating a producer. So for him, he was a lot like me when I first started, where it was like, you're hungry for more stages. And when you realize that the only stages that exist sometimes are the ones that you create, Ooh. you get involved in them and you work hard or whatever. Like I, I literally woke up this morning to an email that had a Smythe casting thing. And I know Nick's in the database and he's doing a, a zoom show or whatever, stand up comedy show with Smythe casting. Like, cool. like he's always looking for new ways to create stuff and and make shows, whatever. So yeah, it, it is a business like hats off to him. That's there's a lot of people in the industry that are, are working hard and there's so much stuff behind the scenes that you never see. But like, yeah, like you said, it, it's not a, a simple thing. It's, it's a lot of, of time, a lot of effort. Producing shows is, is tough too, right? Because like everything else in the business, it's kind of like, you've got these places that are established over here, but if I can't get in there or they don't have room for me, I can't just sit and go, well, I'll wait till they call or till they have room. It's like, okay, well I can go make that too. I can make my own opportunities, right? Rent a theater or go to a, you know, another venue or whatever, create, but then. Yeah. And
0: I feel like right when I started comedy in like 2015 was when all these rooms were popping up everywhere. Uh, yeah
1: there's always been a couple of them but there's more and more of them like i don't know what's i've seen it happen i mean hell like jason and howard would look back at a time where like yuck Yucks was the only professional club in the city right yeah, now there's two so yeah, true you know what i mean like that's that's doubled the amount of comedy clubs in ottawa it doesn't take a lot to do that but no it's it's doubled the amount of comedy clubs and and now there's more stages there's more you know when we started um When I started comedy, absolute comedy is only open Wednesday through Sunday, you know, and then we did a show, a satellite show on Tuesday. And then of course me talking with Jason, we got the open mic Mondays there. So now, you know, now nobody's open, but you know, pre pandemic, they were open seven nights a week for, for a good six or seven years, open seven nights a week, maybe even longer. Jeez. It's been a long time. I think longer than that, maybe eight or nine years, seven days a week, but I don't it's know. Nice. It's, it's good to see more opportunities. And it's nice to see the young, the young comics who are hungry going to find other venues to start shows and building, you know, well, it's almost better.
0: People. I feel like to work out your shit, or especially if you're just starting out to do those smaller bars and stuff, just because it's a little bit of a stepping stone. You don't have to just go straight. I mean, maybe there's some something good to take away from just going up on the big stage, but uh, I don't know. It seems nicer to just work out your stuff with the smaller crowds, I
1: guess. It's an option. I don't know. I've, I've had a lot of podcasts where I said this. I, I, um, I respectfully disagree with the, the smaller ones being the option. This is the argument that I make short version is if doing those small rooms were the ones that made you better then when Chris rock and David tell and all those guys go out to work on a new bit, they'd be going to a little bullshit open mic. If it really was better for working a new material, they, they go to the comedy clubs because that's the best place to, True, to do comedy. Yeah. That's And the only reason I say that is it's the thing with the small rooms is they're available. Do you know what I mean? So when you're, well, new- I was
0: going from the angle of like, if you're someone who's not like a really regular comedian, maybe you're just starting out or maybe you're someone who's like me, who you kind of go back and forth and get really into it for a while. And then you take a hiatus, whatever it's uh less pressure a little bit to be like, yes. Oh, well there's 12 people here. I could do really well and it'll still be a, a confidence builder and I'll probably get some laughs. But if I do really badly, it doesn't seem like you did as badly because you're like, well, there's only 12 people here, you know?
1: Well, if you were a chef and you wanted to know if your meal was good, would you give it to someone with a discerning palate at a restaurant or would you give it to a homeless guy? Cause that homeless guy is going to be really happy to get it. And he's going to tell you everything you want to hear. True. His expectations were very low. Yeah. But if you want to be a good chef, you don't just, feed it. to, I don't, I don't know if this you get me a shit about making fun of the homeless, but I'm saying that somebody who is just, I'll just take whatever I can get. But if
0: I was just starting cooking, I would probably rather start with the homeless guy to work my would way up. Really? Well, maybe because I, if I just go straight into the, the refined palate then, and then get dismissed as like, Oh yeah, they didn't like it at all. Then I might but take like, so that. When the you're wrong... doing
1: it for the feedback, right? Like you're doing your joke to see if it's funny. So I'm saying that if you're, if you're giving a starving person food, I would have a really hard time expecting the feedback to be honest and, and constructive when it's no. Just like, I was oh, going to say that, that was t- so good. That was so, no, 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 so no. I'm good. I'm saying the opposite that so if good. I
0: gave my first meal I ever cooked to some frigging cordon bleu chef, they would probably think it was shit. And it might be really like heartbreaking and discouraging is all I'm saying is that like, if you work your way up, like, Oh yeah, I was kind of funny at at this little place or this little place. And then you finally go do the bigger room. And maybe you don't, you just kind of do lukewarm. You're going to not get so hurt from that because you can still remember some of those earlier times where you got a couple laughs. And I don't
1: know. I I think it's, I definitely know what you're saying. I guess maybe, maybe the food thing is a, is a bad example, but, but I know it's a food analogy again, first with the the bread that I, I found. And again, this is, this is from working, like booking a lot of guys who are like, Oh, I'm killing on the open mic scene. Right. Like I'd have a lot of guys come to me who are like doing well with the homeless, right. Feeding them. They're like, I'm the best cook ever. Everyone loves my food. Why aren't you putting me on your stage? Cause I'm the best cook. I'm like, has anyone ever paid you for your food? Like,
0: yeah, well I would be consciously aware of the fact that I was giving it to the homeless guy, but I'd still be like, all was, right, well, he's he shocked
1: it. how many people aren't because, and I think that's maybe one of the issues that I take with the whole, Oh, well the open mic scene is, is better or whatever. It's like, well, if, if other ears who aren't as versed here, this is better. And if I'm doing good here, then I must be better than over there. Yeah. Right. And then you talk to the booker like, Oh, no, I'm so good. I'm so good. I, I, I met and was the guy booking up Mike Mondays when, when hit the scene and you want to talk to somebody who just has no idea. I'm sorry. That's not fair to say his name and then go has no idea, but I can means well, he has a good heart, but early was like, I'm the best. I'm killing at these open mics. Everyone else says I'm the best. You're an asshole if you don't book me. me. I'm like, buddy, I go, I put you on stage here and you're he crickets. Yeah. I'll give you a spot as much as I give everyone else. But you're telling he's telling me to tell the booker of Absolute Comedy to book him for weekends after bombing. <laughs> because 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 at an open mic, he throws a chair across the room and people are laughing. And I'm like, the people were laughing at the comics. They're laughing because they're watching a live meltdown, dude. Yeah. That, that's not.
0: It's like Jerry's. Star- like, dude, you're gonna
1: be a star because you don't care. I'm like, can you guys please stop telling him this? He thinks you're serious. Uh, <laughs> anyways, I it's, I do I do feel awful. If you could maybe bleep his name or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can bleep his <laughs> name out because the point. Just because I, I don't want
1: I'm not trying to shit on anybody, and, and, and he's come so far. From there, but I just mean those early days where, like, doing well at an open mic can sometimes give people a false impression. They actually start to think that they're a cordon Blue Chef.
0: Yeah, it's true. That's you Maybe. make and a good point. There's there's definitely some people who. Um, I, and I think that's the key is you have to take the step to also like, yeah, practice all you want in those rooms. It's it's nourishing, but you have to still then put your name in in the bigger rooms and then test your metal against, you know, the next echelon of comics or whatever. Oh,
1: let's, you know? let's talk like board game Kickstarter style, right? You, you play. Hey, is this a fun little idea with your friends? And they're like, yeah, OK, cool. Well, now we got to work on it and go yeah. it higher. You know what I mean? Yeah, like definitely. nobody wants to sell their board game at a garage sale. They want to sell it at a big convention. Right. Yeah, but yeah. You got to bring it to be at that level. And I, I just said that to people with, with, you know, the open mic thing, like, well, no, the open mic, it's better because if they're not listening and you can win them over, then you know, it's funny. I go, if that's what you think makes the joke better then stand on a street corner with a mic and an amp and tell your jokes. Right. Because then if someone stops and listens, then you know, for sure it's funny, but you're not going to do that because that's humiliating. (laughs) So I would assume, but, but so the idea is like, you know, I told them like, the open mics are great because it's available it'll give you an audience it'll give you a stage but when people are like but then people start to think well i can't get on over here so they kind of start to convince themselves that what they can get on is better i got it better because this is what i got
0: yeah it's kind of like just
1: be careful with that because you know what i mean like sure your home gym with a few weights or whatever is great the big gym's got what you need you know what I mean? You Maybe might actually learn that there's a yeah. whole lot you can't do. And it's going to focus on what to strengthen. I don't know why as a fat man, I keep using the gym as a, as an example. <laughs>
0: You've used gym and food because <laughs> you brought up a bread thing earlier. It's one or the other.
1: I know. It's because everyone became a, 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 a bread, a, a baker during the pandemic.
0: Well, wait, just let's talk like about, oh, sorry. If you don't mind me pivoting here, because, sure, sure. um, I want to, I've been listening to some of your show and I, and I heard you talking about how you oh, kind of been on a, yeah. on a fitness thing lately. So I think this is relevant because we're talking about food. We're talking about exercise. Um, and I wanted to talk to you about fasting because that's something mm-hmm. that you've really been getting into lately, right? It's 16, 17 days or something like that. When I, uh, you
1: know, I don't know where I'm at now. You're I'm probably 20, like maybe 28 now? days or something like oh, okay. that. now. I, I think I'm in the fourth week or starting the fourth week. So somewhere in the twenties. Um, yeah. yeah. Like, like
0: what's it been like for you? Cause I, I, did a lot of fasting. I've fallen off the wagon a bit. Uh, I still managed to get a few in, you know, uh, in a month, at least a few good fasts, but, um, I was doing it every second day for a while, you know, a year and ago, a year and a bit. How,
1: how long, how long, like when you say every second um, day? Um, on long average,
0: long when I was really into it, they were like usually 24 hours. Okay. Around. I
1: haven't gone that long yet.
0: Yeah. My longest I ever did was like 36. I think I might've done 40 once, but I did a 36 for sure. Um, I'm not there yet. Yeah. Well, it takes time. It's, it's a weird thing to get your body used to. Um, but I will I'm say way that I'm less you... hungry.
1: Sorry. I'm way less hungry. Oh in yeah. 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 That I'm not the eating. Stomach so shrinks I've, down. I've only been doing deal. Oh yeah. And I get, I get full, full yeah. fast where it's almost like I, and I, and I have this horrible guilt where like, if I make food, I'm like, I got to finish what I made.
0: Yeah. yeah. You got to so make small myself
1: to rather than throwing the food away, but I get like so full that I'm like, I need to sleep. Like after my meal,
0: I'm oh like, dude,
1: that's hell, how to do it. I'm like, oh, I gotta go sleep. I'm too tired because now I can't breathe. It's it's ridiculous. But I'm doing um I do from 1 p.m. till seven. So I'm doing like a six hour meal window. Okay. But I have I have like early on, there were some days where I'm like, I, I gotta eat, I'm falling asleep, like I'm I'm way too tired. So yeah. So I'm like, I think a lot of people are saying, well, do like noon to eight. And I'm like, yeah, but this this is my understanding. And I'm I'm reading a book on it. I'm like the first chapter in. But, uh, it's kind of like, I guess like your, your body takes like 12 hours to get whatever's in it done before yeah. it starts working on the other reserve. So it's like, if you can do a, a 16 hour fast, you got four hours where your body's kind of burning other stuff to, to fuel itself. I'm like, great. I got lots of other stuff. So let's, let's, let's do that. So I just figured if I cut it down from eight hours to six, then I'm. That it's an extra two hours. But I have had days where, like, you know, twelve thirty rolls around, and I'm like, I have to eat. This is like early parts of the fast. And there's been a few times where, you know, uh, the day got away from me. There, there was times where I fell asleep at like four in the afternoon.
0: Mm. You know,
1: after eating at like two, and. Interesting. I only uh, say,
0: because I, I always assumed that was going to be the case for me, where if I was fasting for X amount of hours, that would get really lightheaded or, you know, just, and maybe it's happened on occasion, but I've found quite the opposite. A lot of times that when I get deep into a fast, I have all this energy and I can work out and like um, it's surprising a lot of the time.
1: I want to do longer. I've got a doctor's appointment. I want to ask him some questions before I try longer. I'd actually like to do a week long fast.
0: Um, I mean, start with like a day <laughs> or, uh, or a day right, and a half. Of course. Cause but you can handle that. Him, like, we- if
1: I build up to it, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Because well, for me, it was the same hunger that I would have like three hours after eating is the same hunger I would have at like hour 16. Like, yeah, the funny thing is like the hard part is I got roommates and there was a couple days in a row where my roommate would cook bacon at like seven thirty <laughs> in the morning. And I'm like, I'd wake up the house smells like one of the most desirable foods on the planet. Yeah, that's rough. And I'm like, well, I can eat in six, seven hours. So I'll just smell this. And those would make the hunger, like your body's just having natural responses to food smells. Yeah. So there were days where I was like, oh, this is, this is tough. But then it's funny because it's almost like one o'clock would hit. I'm like, okay, I can eat now, but I'm in the middle of doing something. And I find it's like, I'm starting to cook it too. I'm like, I was so hungry three hours ago. I'm like, I gotta eat, gotta eat. That's it more hours. And then it's like this time and I, I'm not even paying attention. Right. Like I could, I could actually, dude.
0: And it, I find with the longer ones that I've done, that only continues to be true. Like anytime I'm doing 22 hours, 24 hours, I find I get to that point and I'm like, Oh, I can eat now. This is the goal I set for myself. And I'm like, I could go like six more hours right now. Like it just becomes uh, a non, I don't know, a non-issue. non-issue. Yeah, yeah. Your body just kind of yeah. goes like, Oh, this is what we're doing. And I've heard that like, you're talking about doing a week. I've actually heard that Um, Obviously, you have to stay hydrated when you're doing those lengthier ones. People say you want to get electrolytes Mm -hmm. in your water. There's stuff you can buy, I believe, um, to really get the stuff your body does need. Um, But I've heard it after three or four days. Apparently, your organs start to like repair themselves and shit because they're finally not doing other stuff, especially your liver. There's
1: there's the, the growth hormone the growth hormone starts to to get processing again in your body, giving Mm. you things you need to heal. Like the book that I'm reading, like I said, I, I, the longest forward in any or introduction I've ever read in a book is like 30 pages long. And it's like chapter one. like, Oh fuck. I thought we were, you ever watch a movie and like 15 minutes in the fucking title comes up. You're like, Oh fuck. I thought all the old movies used to be like that. Yeah, I guess.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I hate it. Yeah. Like you're a ways
1: into it and you're like, Oh shit. I completely forgot. Um, (laughs) <laughs> or like 10 minutes into an episode of the walking dead. And all of a sudden the intro music plays are like, Oh I, yeah, we didn't need this. Like you, you got me. I'm in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I just, I was reading and it's like, yeah, growth hormones come back. They were talking about the, the uh, uh, insulin levels, where it's just like, if you're constantly putting stuff in your body, your body's constantly creating insulin. And they were saying how like the issue with diabetes is that like your body's creating a bunch of insulin and it becomes insulin resistant. So mm. the whole idea and you work in the medical field, right? Yeah. So it's talking about how your body becomes insulin resistant and so the insulin's making isn't isn't enough to give it what it needs because it's resisting it. So the cure for or the, the treatment for diabetes is is injecting yourself with more insulin. I need more insulin. It becomes more insulin resistant, your body starts to make more insulin to try to oh, you know what i mean and injecting more so it's just you it becomes an insulin festival and your body can't handle it. So the whole idea is like you back off the food and your body's insulin levels will back off like the Literally, cure. Yeah. To diabetes naturally is to, to back off all that extra shit that your system is kicking in you know and that you're putting in trying to, to overdo it so that it stops being tolerant it's, i was gonna um,
0: ask you actually because you mentioned bacon and i already knew this from something else i saw online but um you do eat meat yes is that something you've uh, toyed with the idea of going vegan or vegetarian 100
1: several yeah. times and and predominantly for ethical reasons nice
0: I mean, just, I don't eat, uh, I eat fish sometimes, but I haven't eaten chicken or beef or any of that in like a decade. So I'm kind of,
1: Oh, really? Okay. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't, That's uh,
1: pescatarian, p- right. They call that
0: pescatarian. Yeah. And the fish thing is kind of only the last few years. I kind of was just like, uh, it's so hard to get protein when you're trying to work out and get some muscle gain, which is not a Fludge. huge thing for me, but, um, I don't know.
1: Watch Sea Spiracy, that'll get you off the fish.
0: Oh want. yeah, it's probably full of plastic and shit, yeah. Well, it's oh, fish yeah. Is also very good it's for your worst. uh your skin too. That's another thing when I get like acne, which doesn't happen that often. Um that was one of the first things I found online, eat some salmon and it clears right up and, you know. Something about the fish oils.
1: Watch the documentary, you'll stop eating. Everyone fish says
0: that. I mean, even my my ex-wife and her husband, they're going plant free now apparently, which I couldn't believe because when I was going vegetarian, they were plant uh, or sorry, not plant-free, meat-free, sorry, plant-based. Um, oh, plant, plant-based,
1: i must have missed to shit There are
0: people doing that shit where they only Like eat plant-free, a- holy Christ. There's people that do that. It's called the lion diet. <laughs> They're like, Apparently, I just- It's uh, them. very transformative. Um, I saw someone talking about that, but I don't know. That seems sketch to me to not eat any vegetables or fruit or roughage. Um, and I don't know, dude, and every
1: every new new diet or research or whatever it is, And you're like, okay. And then five years later, it's like, oh yeah, completely debunked. And you're like, oh, I've been killing myself this entire time.
0: Fasting makes sense though, because uh, it makes sense just from a standpoint of like, this is what humans had to do back in the day um, was eat in like when you could get it and then probably not eat for a long period of time again. And if you really want to, this is probably why I went back to eating fish. The other things I read would say, what else would humans do when they would finally get food? Probably ingest a lot of protein some natural fats, you get berries here and there, but like, you know, so you do need protein. I just, I find it so hard to get when you're sticking to vegetables only. And now they've got all these beyond burgers and that kind of shit. But um, I don't know, I guess they're not bad, but when I had one, it actually bummed me out because it was like too much like a real burger that I felt like I was eating meat. And then I was like, it still gave me the same uh, sort of ethical or, or like, it's a mental thing for me. I don't know. And I eat like a bloody steak or something. I just feel fucking weird. Like, yeah. Um, and and no shame I, to those that do. I'm not that kind of, no, of, course, of you course. know,
1: um, dude, it's like all of us, like the amount of people who will be like, I just learned this and you should know. It's like, you're going to give me shit for something, you learned something yesterday. Up. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, it's just people learn at their own, at their own pace. Like for myself, dude, I'm almost 40. I'm still just slightly over 300 pounds. I would love to to get in shape. Cut the
0: meat, man. I'm only saying that because um, when I was married and granted, I was not an active dude. I have a pretty like active fitness regimen or whatever now. But um, when I was married, I was in my twenties. So I should have had a better metabolism and I just didn't exercise. And I totally lost my train of thought. God damn it, man. No, no. no. Well, that's another
1: thing. Fasting will do is apparently it'll, it'll
0: boost your your memory. Yeah. I totally lost my train of thought. It's going to drive me. You're like,
1: get off the meat. Oh, get off
0: the meat. Yes. Yes. Of course. Um, it's that I weighed like, I don't know, 30 pounds more than I do back then. And one of the things I honestly think helped me lose weight was quitting meat because partially just because it cuts out so many, um, like fast food joints and so many things are no longer on your available menu that you got to be a lot more creative if you want to eat unhealthy, you know?
1: Absolutely, and, uh, and and like I said, just even for ethical reasons, like I have a fear of death, so I'm like, so why would I kill a cow? I'm gonna cause I'm gonna cause the thing I fear the most to another innocent thing. I'm gonna kill the cow. Now we're gonna go make a baconator that I'll consume, which will kill me faster. I'm like, what? About yeah. a <laughs> it's a big death. I mean, yeah. like it's just death, and, and then but let's yeah, you die and me die with your grease and like
0: man. The other day. Just, uh, youtube uh just prompted like a video came up i don't know why it was in my feed for shit i should watch but it was literally a video of a guy going around his farm or whatever and just shooting the cows with some sort of a thing it wasn't a gun but it was like a baton that...
1: the tube and it's and what it has is a pin in it it was so, so it's fucked like, up got like a I canister right can a canister with them
0: uh you can't see this was like point of view it was like a fucking oh, okay, video okay. game almost and it was so disturbing man i shut it off after it just looks
1: like a Like looks like uh the end of a of a uh, what do you call it? Bench press thing. Right? Kind of. Yeah. Like, just like a straight,
0: straight little. Yeah. Wand. So it's
1: got a pin in it. And uh, on the other end, there's actually like a hose and, and like a air pressure canister. Mm. And what it does is it, you put it on the cow's head and then that pin fires into its brain. And, and he
0: was and doing them. it from a couple feet away though. He was just okay, walking no up. Idea. And then he was, going, then
1: he was shooting them with a sniper rifle or something. Yeah,
0: I don't know. It, it didn't make a loud noise. It was just like a little chick, like kind of a clicking noise or something. And then the cow would drop its legs would just give out before the thing even went off practically it was very disturbing did
1: you see no country for old men yes yeah yeah so you remember the beginning of the movie where he puts that thing on the guy's head yeah
0: he just
1: drops that's the that's the cow that javier
0: bardem yeah yeah that's what
1: they used to kill cows because apparently it's more humane well it did look very
0: painless and quick the couple ones that i actually watched before i shut it off it was yeah it looked I guess you can, but it's killing anything humane, realistically. You know. Well,
1: that's exactly it, too, right? There's people like, oh, dude, and cowspiracy is another. There's two two movies on Netflix right now, which I found fascinating, and they're horribly depressing. Yeah, uh, cowspiracy and seaspiracy, and basically the Coles Notes version of both of those is that the biggest thing that's killing the planet. Is, is the food industry of each. So the fishing industry is destroying the ocean. It's not plastic straws. It's not microplastic. The fishing industry is destroying the ocean and the cattle, you know, livestock industry is destroying the land. And so like us eating meat and us eating fish is killing the planet.
0: Don't the cows fuck up the ozone layer with their farts mm-hmm. or something, Do
1: Constant yeah. methane. In fact, the amount of food that it takes to feed a cow, uh, if you gave that same amount of food like the grains and everything like that to feed people and water don't give yeah. right. the amount of water is insane but if you gave that water and th- feed to to human beings you could you could feed more people than that one cow would.
0: It's crazy, too, because if we're at a point where you have Beyond Burger and stuff like that, where even some meat eaters say like, yeah, it tastes fucking good, you know, Um, how long until human society maybe possibly evolves to a point where we're just like, hey, you want a burger? Eat this thing that tastes like a burger, but didn't come from killing a thing. Look at the horse
1: shit that we're dealing with now in regular you know, North American or, or first world conversations where this particular word and like the the, the people that are going to extents to take issue with nothing. Uh, what
0: like cancel culture? Most, you mean?
1: Sure, but the most recent one I heard was a woman got upset because she took issue with playing cards why does the king have more value Oh, than i heard
0: boy? i didn't hear it as someone took issue i heard it as just some girl was like oh this would be cool if we had like a female driven deck of cards it would still functionally be well
1: the this particular person uh was she she found the problem she created the problem and then she sells the solution she has a deck of cards where instead of jack queen king it's uh you know bronze silver gold
0: oh i saw one where i thought it was reversed it was queen they were all female i think I can't remember. Maybe I'm screwing that up.
1: Yeah. And that's not, I mean, they were unisex or something like that. Sure. Unisex is fine. But if it's all females, then that's not, that's not progress. That's that's now you're excluding someone else. Yeah. That's interesting. That's also historical characters. Like, do we want to go back and pretend history didn't happen? Those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it yeah right so trying to erase his like history was history we move forward from it we progress from it yeah right we know it was there and it's an example to us as to always move forward, be better when we start going back and erasing history and pretending like things weren't things that's where like taking
0: down statues and stuff
1: no i don't really have an issue with that
0: yeah neither do i i was gonna say well same thing but i'm talking
1: about like like going why does a queen have less value than a king i'm like because that's the way it was then yeah yeah fair it wasn't righteous it's just yeah. that's the fucking way it was we don't have kings and queens anymore yeah we have one set of them that are figureheads but like it's not like that anymore we've all progressed but to try to be like well let's erase it because i don't like why does it it's the way it was do you know what i mean when you get rid of books like huckleberry fan you're like it's a period piece
0: oh because had the N word yeah
1: i think that like, there's a saying that i like that's those that can't control their emotions want to control other people's behavior hmm so again, taking down a statue, I don't really have an issue with that because you're not erasing them from the history books, right? Yeah. People have made the argument. There's no statues of Hitler. We still know who he is.
0: Yeah, very much so. Yeah. You know what I
1: mean? So I don't have an issue with taking that down. I don't have an issue with people or any
0: right? of this stuff. If they choose not to include Pepe Le Pew in the new space jam movie, people still sure. are are going to be aware of the fact that he was a character that was in Looney Tunes for 80 goddamn years. Like, Sure.
1: When you pull him, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't mind that at all, personally. It I think frightens he, me because the only thing is like, where does it end?
0: Well, they, they, recast, not- they recast Dr. Hibbard's voice with a black man and they're doing the same with Apu. So that's another thing I hear people arguing all the time is like, you're not going to be able to to take away the white guy's voice that did Dr. Hibbard from the other 30 seasons that people are going to be watching on Disney plus. Or
1: or are they, or are they?
0: They'll retcon and that's, go back and like re-record the lines. Maybe. George
1: Lucas, George Lucas could go back 30 years and, and true, put a bunch true. I in, didn't even think of that in yes. Star Wars. And I don't know. But that's that I would that's what, what I'm saying either. is that like to, to, to go. Yes. When these episodes came out or when this show was made, this was how they did it. It wasn't was as pop, progressive right? yeah. as it is now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, are we going to go back through every single show that ever made a gay joke or anything like that, and and either cancel it or pull it or whatever? It's like it's as much as pop culture stuff isn't exactly historical. It is in the sense that that's the that's a snapshot of the way the world was then. Yeah, and you as don't long as agree
0: with it. Yeah, no,
1: and and as long as we can intelligently as a society go, that was okay then it's not okay. Now hmm. the reason I, I got into this is because there's a part of me that knows very well, while we're bitching about the pictures on playing cards, there are still millions and billions of animals that are being put to death yep. needlessly. Oh, and Do
0: there's places can... in the world where human beings don't have clean water and like so many more important
1: issues. I get our that. priorities are so fucked up. Yeah so fucked up and these people are patting themselves on the back like they're righteous for for trying to get a cartoon character pulled it's like yeah i i get that that what they're doing at the time was wrong i'm not arguing that i'm just saying but doesn't it, does no one get that that was from before like it's not well it's and not the wrong. larger
0: point you're making of just like w- imagine what we could accomplish if we put our efforts Collectively into something with a little more value. Not to say like you that none of these should be discussed. I, I'm all for discussing this, that, or the other thing, and how has it aged, and should we take this statue down? And generally, I'm in favor because I don't get offended or upset about a lot of that shit. If it's uh, you know helping someone grieve trauma that something maybe caused them because it was so fucked up or whatever. I don't know. I mean, every situation something different.
1: being put in your face like a statue, mm-hmm. right? when it makes you feel like, Hey, this is supporting,
0: you know, like, here's a statue of the guy that put my mom in a residential school or whatever. Like, sure. I get yeah. why you and want like, that and, statue. And being
1: in your face is fine. But like Pepe Le Pew, well, I, it's not like they're forcing it. Like if they said we're going to pull it from syndication, fine. But to erase it from the, 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 the vault, it's like, well, if I choose to consume that, like I watched Pepe Le Pew growing well, up, the Simpsons,
0: they, they got rid of the Michael Jackson episode on Disney plus it's not there. Which is a little bit like that's Lisa, it's your birthday. Everybody knows that fucking episode. You're not gonna make us forget Lisa, it's your birthday. It's one of those It's just
1: it's a shame that they think (laughs) that people like it's just it's a oh God. Because I I, I am on the side of progressive. I am here, same here. Yeah, but there's that's why I say, like, I'm I'm very apprehensive to to erasing history because then I wonder where does it where does it end? And i'm with not like one of those stuff, like, ah, it's a part of my heritage. I don't give a fuck, I'm not wearing old people's baggage. With but,
0: something like uh Hank Azaria, though, like saying, Okay, I'm not gonna do the voice of a poo anymore. That falls into a unique category for me because that's his kind of fucking decision, right? Like it's he's kind of has the right to be like, I don't feel comfortable doing this anymore because I'm progressive and it bothers me and seems to bother a lot of other people. And I'm on that side of it. I'm going to relinquish my right actors it?
1: who are, who are playing roles that they aren't like, that's not okay. If you're, if you're you not oh, well, yeah. Scarlet, Scarlett Johansson, wasn't allowed to play, uh, or, or got so much shit because she was going to play an LGBTQ Ghost. character. And they're like, no, you're not. So you don't get oh, to. Oh yeah. Trans, Ryan character Cranston character. took shit for playing a paraplegic. Um, and it's kind of like, like, and like Bill Burr said, in a special, it's acting. Yeah. You know, I've seen movies where guys who weren't murderers played murderers. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the idea is like, yes, it's better to be inclusive. Um, if you want a, a really good example of something that was inclusive in recent years, that wasn't stuffed down your throat. Um, the last of us part two, the game the last of that. us
0: I know what it team, is but I haven't seen it
1: It's a video game and that that game was inclusive as hell the two leads were both females um one of them was lgbtq uh sorry one of them was lesbian one of them was was lgbtq um they had they didn't stuff it down your throat it, it wasn't like here's a very heavy undertones of me too and time's up yeah none of that stuff all of the the npcs in the game and different parts of it were all um were all representative all all sexes and races and everything like that at no point did anything feel like Oh, this is, they're really like trying to get in them. there. Like, yeah. Didn't feel unnatural at all. That's the world we live in. We live in a world where it's multicultural. It's not all yeah. just Caucasian, you know, NPCs. It was, it was great representation for everybody that didn't stuff. There was actually a scene that I really liked where there was a character who was trans um, uh, was, was female. She wanted to be male. So, sh- uh, so he shaved his head so that he could be like the male soldiers And at one point they're sneaking back into an area because they were, they were outcast for, for, you know, shaving their head. That was like a a defiant thing, you know? So they were outcast when they come back, they're like, Hey, it's Lily. They were calling her by her, her previous name. And they said at, at one point she's after the fight, she says to the character that you're playing, like, did you hear what they called me? And she's like, yeah. She's like, did you want me to, did you want to ask me about it? And she goes, do you want me to ask you about it? And she said, no. She's like, okay then. Like, and I thought that was kind of cool. And just to show that just because you hear something and just because you might want to ask about it, it, the idea of of her considering the other person saying, do you want me to ask you about it? She was like, no, not really. Or something like along lines. And and that was it. And they dropped it. I was like, that's cool. Like, again, it didn't, didn't change anything in the plot really or anything like that, but it was just a cool little moment of like, have you ever considered that? Like someone's like, did you hear it? Yeah. Did you want to ask? It's like, do you want me to ask? I, I don't know. I, I, found that was a really great way of, they created something new. They didn't take something that existed and say, well, now for the sake of, of this, we got to pull this out and stop this in and we got to get rid of this. We got to, it's like, look, it was what it was. I think that it's intention at the time was not to be harmful. Like the Simpsons was, they were mocking, they were making fun of accents and things like that. Um, no one seemed to have issue with it at the time for decades. Um but it was a part of, of what it was. They had him remove and put it in. Great. Great. That's if that's his decision, that's progressive. Cool. I don't feel like I want to do that anymore. Is the new person who's doing, I haven't watched Simpsons in forever. Um, Is the new person who's doing it also mocking, you know, like is it a Russell Peters situation where if Russell Peters makes fun of, of the entire world's accents, it's okay. But if someone else is doing it, it's not, you know what I mean? Dude, we pick and ah, cho- oh, fucking. Where's my? I'm not even on a soapbox right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. We just we pick and choose what's okay, and it's such whore shit.
0: Yeah, it's such horseshit. Frustrating.
1: I, I don't have a problem with with equality. I I strive for it.
0: But the but- argument when people say like, oh well, because you hear this in comics, don't take a character I like and make them gay. Just make a new character and make him gay. But it's like even if they did that and they started making this huge influx of LGBTQ characters in Marvel or whatever, right? Are you telling have me they? that are you? T- oh, they have. Sure. But are you telling yeah. me that every character that existed prior to that is still straight? And out of how many like thousands of characters, none of them were maybe feel more comfortable coming out. Like some people got pissed off because Iceman or he's gay now. And it's okay. like some, you know, super homophobic guy who Iceman was their favorite character. And now he can't handle that. Iceman is, Sliding on that ice pole. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> I actually, I actually really like that as a narrative. Uh, turns out, Kitty Pride was uh, was LGBTQ. I don't know if she's yeah, I trans. think
0: so. But she's had um, heterosexual relationships as well, so I guess she's bisexual.
1: Right, right. And I remember that. And then, of course, El- uh, Elliot Page played her in oh, the, true, in the true, movies. Yeah, yeah. I actually thought that was interesting too, because going through the cool. the library. I found that they've changed the name in all of the the write ups. So even though when you're watching the movie, I'm sure the 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 credits will the, still yeah. say Elliot Page. I like that on all of the things it says Elliot Page, very respectful, very progressive. I like yeah. it. Well, um, that takes fucking balls Marvel, too,
0: man. That takes so much balls to be that famous and do something that like. Absolutely. I don't know if, if saying he takes balls is the right term for someone who's uh, transitioning to a man, but. Um, yeah. I don't know. To me, that is courage. Sorry. It takes a lot of courage to be that, uh, to do that in general, but then to be in that much of the public spotlight. And, um, and I think hopefully she was doing that also because it can help other people feel more comfortable, you know, watch
1: me watch try to pull this all back together. What we've been talking about everything yeah. from like wanting to do stand up to wanting to, to be trans and, and not wanting to be trans, but wanting to transition into Express who yourself, you feel yeah. more honestly, it takes, like you said, courage to be yourself.
0: Yeah. It's so true.
1: That's if, if if, whatever it is, and it's not to segregate, that's to bring us all together. Like if you want something and you feel like you're meant to do or be something that you're not actively chasing, you will feel shitty. There's people who are like, I've always wanted to do. This has nothing to do with their sex or sexual orientation or their race. There's so many people that just, I just want to do this. And I don't, I, I feel just off all the time not chasing that not doing that because you're doing a disservice you're living what uh steven pressfield refers to as the unlived or, or you're you're avoiding the unlived life which is the the life that you were meant to be the person that you were meant to be and i agree with you it takes it does take courage to chase a dream to chase who you are to be who you are
0: well yeah and i like what you I'm said about
1: being yeah i'm 100 on board with anybody who's like i want to be mean if, if that doesn't make sense to other people like Dude, like how many parents didn't want their kids to be, you know, an artist? They wanted them to be a doctor. It's like, I had to make the people that loved for me and cared for me and created me. I did I had to disappoint them to, to be who I am. And, you know, and a lot and hopefully, you know, in some cases their parents end up accepting that of time, I and mean, sometimes it ends up being whatever. But, but what are you gonna do? Live your life for somebody else? You know? Well, parents, it takes a
0: long time. Friends. Even if you have the courage to be who you are, sometimes it takes super long just to figure out who that person even is before you're ready to show them to the world or whatever, you know, it's, you're always growing and changing.
1: And I can't imagine what it's like to, to not know and to, to not feel comfortable to be able to talk to people and ask questions. So I am all for the world moving forward and creating, creating these warm climates. If you're not hurting
0: anybody, And hopefully you're contributing positively to society or to friendships or to the world. You know, like I could give a fuck. And and that's not even like, oh, yeah, I don't care if you do it, but keep it out. Like, no, I just let people be people. Who cares? Again, if you're not being violent, if you're not being uh, hurtful, then I don't really see why anyone gets hung up on it.
1: It's important to know what happened before. Right. So yeah. Again, those who don't learn from history are to avoid those ideas.
0: pitfalls again. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So to 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 erase it all like it didn't happen, I don't think is wise. Yeah. That's not a white man making an argument for keeping up racist Confederate statues. Those people are still in the history books, or whatever. But when you take, when you start trying to erase things that happened and pretend like they didn't happen. I don't know. There's a psychological shift there. To well, they're me. bound to repeat like, themselves at that point. Well, it's censorship. It's going, I think, I know it happened, but I've decided that other people shouldn't know that it happened, right? I can handle it, but you're too stupid to handle it. So I'm going to erase it so that you never encounter it. I watched Pepe Le Pew cartoons. I never chased women and, and sexually harassed them. Yeah, Do You know what I mean? Like the idea that, that people see something and go, oh, everyone else is so stupid that they're going to immediately understand this is the message and whatever it is yeah sure this he was bad you know he was the he was the bad guy in the in that cartoon right we all know that yosemite yeah Sam he always seemed guy. like a
0: loser to me he was always pining after someone who <laughs> didn't return his affection it wasn't something i wanted to emulate but there's a lot of fucking idiots out there and that's the other side of the coin that you have to remember there's a lot of dumb easily influenceable people uh influenceable people who um some of them already maybe have that that vibe where they're kind of douchey or predatory or whatever and then I don't know. I guess Pepe Le Pew is a weird example, but that's just a a children's show. There was lots of other movies and still are that are big in culture that kind of celebrate that frat boy douchebaggery and just like animal house
1: porkies. And they're still allowed to exist. They're not pulled from platforms. I'm sure
0: the groups that don't like this kind of shit would definitely not be fans of those films. But yeah, they're still out there
1: there's a lot of people who are looking to make a mark or have an impact. And so people are like looking for, Oh, I'm the one who canceled playing yeah, cards. I'm the one who canceled <laughs> Pepe Le Pew. I'm the one who spearheaded the Apu yeah. coming down, or I'm the one who got Scarlet <laughs> Joanna. Like everybody wants to take me. And it's, it's, I was doing another podcast this morning talking about like internet trolls and stuff. These, I think some of these people don't really realize that they are a new type of troll. They've convinced themselves that they're woke. But what they are is someone going like, I can't handle, I think I'm better than other people. I recognize this and I'm here to save you because you're too stupid. Like, I think there's more people trying to destroy and and silence and censor than there are who watched Pepe Le Pew or played with a deck of cards and going, Oh, Oh well this deck of cards I mean but there's one thing I'm taking away from this game of crazy eights it's that this male <laughs> card is worth more than this female card and that's a real life lesson here you know Patriarchy. what I mean like, how many times has that ever happened but yeah. but this this notion that humanity is so stupid and we need all these woke saviors that to me is way more dangerous than than maybe maybe the one person who all of a sudden after after didn't exist before after playing with a deck of cards now sees women as lesser than men. I find on- it
0: funny to think of like the guys back in whenever playing cards were invented, which must now that I'm thinking about it. It must've been a long fucking time ago. Cause they played that shit in the old West must've been like, I don't even know. I'm going to look that up later. But I don't know. I I feel like those people, I feel bad for them because there's no way they were thinking like, yeah, this will help the patriarchy. This will keep the women down. We'll put the king at the top. I'm sure they were just like, oh, king, queen, Jack, like, you know, innocent about
1: meaning, creating meaning out of something that isn't there. You know what I mean? Nobody cares about intent for
0: the sake of controversy.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, like like the whole chase, you know, you know, uh, oh the the chase. I don't know. I'm trying. I'm really. I don't know why I'm so hung up on the Pepe the Pew one. I just
2: well, even it's, it's, their it's intent fairly... at
1: the time. Even their intent at the time, I don't think it was malicious. Now, yes, should you just? I want it, so I'm going to take it. No, I think that. But if you look, it's his failed attempts. Right, meeting is still okay. Nobody cares that Wiley Coyote is actively trying to murder. Right, is murder. Well, or Elmer or, or Fudd. Fudd heard, he I've heard that Elmer Fudd. Kill? Yeah. right why well, almer Fodd's got the gun he's trying to kill bugs bunny why is no one taking issue with this clear message that murder is okay it's it's because we're because
0: so, humans are weird that that guy who's maybe criticizing that then goes and eats his probably not rabbit but some sort of animal and you know it doesn't have people pick and choose like you said what they want to have an issue with and it's usually based on their own you know opinions and and tastes and shit
1: Nobody cares what intent is. You don't go, ah, well, it was, it was this, that it's the reason we're saying this is that I'm like, it's really funny that I could, I guarantee somebody they, there's people, I don't even remember what the context was. People went back and they were like trying to go after John Wayne. I'm like, Dude's been dead for over 50 years.
0: Like, like, he, like you're going to come at opinion. an old
1: guy who's dead for doing what old guys back then did. Like, of yeah. course he wasn't as progressive as they are now. Yeah. Go after Lincoln. I guarantee you one of like the, the most Uh, humble and and well put together psychological people probably did some unprogressive shit. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Probably. So let's go back and, and because he was a product of his environment, he was, he was a product of his time. Like, well, and the the other, the
0: the, the other very important part to note out is that like, Everything that's taking place now potentially could be the shit that gets canceled in five, five, ten, twenty, thirty. Years. That's what I'm saying.
1: Imagine so. I'm someone comes after me in fifty years when I'm dead and is like, "That motherfucker ate me." Can you believe these barbarians? They yeah, ate exactly. These guys yeah. over here, they were woke figures, but he ate me. Yeah, yeah. And I was aware of of the fact that it was it was wrong. Like it's 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 Some hindsight's twenty twenty. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Stop looking back at everything. Everybody going, we got to change. It's yeah. over.
2: Focus and on now the future, that,
1: yeah. Yeah, you've got the lens of, okay, going forward. So let's make the world a better place going forward instead of focusing on, okay, well, what are we going to make next? It's let's let's just sit around and shit on all the old stuff. It's like, okay, congratulations, troll. I mean, I mean, woke warrior or whatever the yeah, hell.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, just, we obviously some things in the past, we can't let go completely. Like someone's on trial for murder or something. <laughs> let's not be like, well, you no, know. I'm not saying it let it go, the but I'm
1: saying that like <laughs> the amount, like I said, you know, it, it's not okay for... For Pepe Le Pew to, and, and I agree, obviously it's not a great message. No, no. It's not, and it's honestly, watching it myself as a kid, it's not one I ever picked up and ran with. I wasn't no. like, oh, so you just chase them, hold them, and kiss them. I'm like, <laughs> it's pretty clear that she doesn't want Exactly, that. yeah, yeah. So the message is you can't just grab someone and start kissing them. They don't want that.
0: But then they're That's probably I just, from it. I think the argument against him is like, well, then why is he... Part of your cast of characters for an otherwise light-hearted show it was not meant to be a show that teaches you lessons in a big way it was
1: the only romantic carries in love oh yeah like and it's and it was hey it was the only like multi-race it was actually progressive if you think about it well like, and honestly back then i was, was confused it would get a white stripe on it from paint now it's a female skunk yeah but it's not it's a cat hey look. Yeah, he it wasn't is.
0: a smart guy he was never portrayed as a smart guy but back that's then, cool. like probably some of the shit he's doing, and again, that doesn't make it right, but a lot of the shit that he was doing in those cartoons being more physical was more accepted back then. You probably could dip a lady and it would be considered like chivalrous to be like, oh, you know, you, you spun her around or whatever. That's, I'm not trying to say that all women I, like that. that that's but... a new
1: one for me. What he's you mean? dipping them bad
0: now? No, dipping. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, if you did it to someone that you weren't familiar with, it would be if you just put your armor on their waist. Hey, yeah, I I think that's what I'm saying. But back yeah. in the day, if you had like a nice suit on, There was probably a lot of, uh, oh, you can just go up and talk to a nice lady and then she's not going to slap you or push you away. And again, I'm not saying that's right. I I, am glad we've progressed to a place where people respect personal space and physical touching and shit. But um, those cartoons are so fucking old. So I'm just trying to say that, like, when they made those, that was probably a lot more commonplace for men to behave in that kind of a manner. Not as aggressive as him, but that physical touching without permission was probably seen as flirty more back then. I don't know.
1: I think it was based more on intent in all fairness. Like, like, listen, women and men, uh, Oh, here I go. Women and men are very similar in a lot of ways. We all want to feel wanted. We all like when someone, that's just human. This yeah. Thing. Like I, I'm not saying when it pays company, I'm not talking about any of that gross shit. I'm very well. There's a lot of fucking gross, creepy shit that happens, but in terms of just the general dynamics, there's a lot of people that still want to flirt. Yeah. You know, and and you know, if you say something, they're like, Oh, I'm not interested. Ah, oh, my apologies, I misunderstood. Like, there's still a yeah, lot you of be able reasonable to... human beings. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're we're now in a um, I, I, I chatted with Pete Johansson uh, on my podcast. I got an interview with him a few years ago. And Pete was saying, like, and this was again a few years ago. Pete was saying we're at a point in society where people aren't allowed to make mistakes. And yeah. And I don't mean something huge and disgusting and, and harassment and, and criminal, but just like everyone's afraid that like one mistake one thing you say can end you
0: yeah well and, if you're famous it, enough it can
1: <laughs> yeah well look what happened to gina Carano. i'm not saying i yeah. agree yeah. or disagree with anything she said but it's like she, she tweeted something shouldn't hurt anybody well she, she traded, really tweeted several
0: hurt. things it was she oh no. i only saw
1: the i only saw like the the last one so I yeah she them
0: had them something up. about um comparing the plight of the republicans to like <laughs> nazi jews in nazi germany that was
1: About how, like, yeah, looking at the character or something like that. But she
0: also did this whole rant about how she thinks like gender pronouns are stupid. And oh, uh,
1: I okay, well, she did. And then there was a third strike that's playing with her. And she was an anti
0: vaxxer, anti uh, coveted vaxxer, um, saying the vaccine was sketchy and all that. So I guess for a lot of people, it was like three strikes, you know.
1: Well, fair, I only saw the one where it was comparing, then I go, that's not a great comparison, but. But I was like, should you lose everything for this poor comparison? I, think,
0: I have my opinion on this is you should be able to discuss things. I like when people don't agree on everything. It makes the world right. interesting and hopefully you can grow and learn from each other's different vantage points, depending on what it is. Obviously, if you're a horrible monster, we're probably not going to see eye to eye. But with someone like her, I'm sorry, but if I'm getting signed to a fucking franchise that's under the Disney umbrella and I know it's going to be right. watched by children, I'm going to conduct myself outside of my character at least on social media, Uh, if I'm having dinner with my friends, sure. I might say this, that, or the other thing, but yeah, I don't know.
1: I think the the pronoun things was a very volatile thing for her to decide to to all three of
0: those are things that she should have known was going to stir up the pot. And I'm not saying that you don't have a right to stir up the pot. I'm saying if you have a multi, whatever dollar deal with Disney, they also have a right to be like, hey, you just fucked your image as far as- I, I
1: agree. Know. I agree. Like, you've got to conduct yourself accordingly. I would never take to social media and start spouting off. Like, at the end of the day, I'm also like, who the fuck am I that anyone's like going to listen? After everything we've said here- Well, that's the here, thing. People probably started day, coming bro? up
0: to her and saying, what's your opinion on this? What's your opinion on this? And then she started to feel like, ooh, people like my, to hear what I think about things. Tweet, tweet. You know, that's part of the okay, celebrity well. world. I
1: only saw the one where she was referring to like the the behavior and saying like, they've already decided the opinions. That's like that. And I go. Yeah, I go. Not the greatest. I didn't didn't agree with it, but I'm not like, oh, she's. I want her to starve now for that. Yeah, like I don't
0: like the lynch mob mentality of like somebody said something wrong. Let's just who
1: who has the confidence that if anyone could see everything that they thought and wrote and whatever over the entire course of their lives, that they would be able to stand up. free yeah. Oh, the arrogance, yeah, arrogance of somebody else holding someone else's feet to the fire. And thinking but like,
0: that same arrogance would be thrown in the way that I was saying against someone who should know kind of the position that they're in. And you're a bit arrogant to think that you can go and spout off about really controversial shit that Disney's just going to be like, you know what? We would like a neutral person, please. You know, like,
1: but you would think like a reprimand, not yeah, like, yeah, maybe termination. Some sort of a, yeah. that's the part where I'm saying it's like, it's, that's what Pete was saying is it's like, True. it's not like you can make a mistake, right? I'm not saying that she should be doing what she's doing, but I'm saying that the punishment doesn't fit the crime
0: well she should have to show that she's doing some kind of counseling or something to show to expand her her opinions maybe be a little more open-minded or less like homophobic or whatever it was with the
1: yeah i I didn't know there was any homophobia stuff again i don't know if that's considered
0: homophobic i don't know but she definitely said something about gender pronouns she made fun of them she put up some sort of joke pronoun at the Uh, top of her instagram profile that was kind of mocking those types of pronouns and that's what got her in hot water from what i understand well, I heard, I she was play. kind of asking for it. Like, I don't know. Well, that's
1: the thing. Yeah, if you're and and if you're like I said, I, I wasn't aware of, of any other than one. I thought she was one and done. Um, so I didn't realize that. I'm a big I'm a big believer in freedom of speech. Um, Same here. Only, yeah. only in the sense, like like listen, you should be able to say whatever you want. You got to wear it. And I don't mean where it is in like, you should be pun Like if, if you're saying something I don't agree with, I have the right to turn around and walk away. Like I don't have to listen to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I think that if you're saying something like it's, it's funny when the media and everything decides what you're allowed to say and what you're not like, I, whenever someone's like, oh, you can't post this on Twitter because it's, it's hate. I'm like, well, I don't know. I've heard shit that was in my opinion, ignorant that I didn't agree with, but I never would have called it hate, but it's like, but it goes against what you think so you're calling it hate so that that's the veil that you can use to shut it down. I don't know. I I'm, and I'm also, even in this moment, I'm trying to be self-aware of like, am I coming across as ignorant or or on board with this stuff? I just think it's one of those things where I'm like, like the history stuff. It's once you start picking and choosing what can be said, what can't be, I I've never really liked censorship. I like the choice. I like going, there's someone's like this person's saying some real controversial shit over here. Cool. I, I wouldn't mind hearing it.
0: Well, it's like you said, everybody likes pointing the finger until the fingers pointed at them. And everybody's got, I mean, varying degrees of skeletons in your closet or whatever with woke culture, because partially because it's adapted and grown and changed so quickly. Like and again, not saying that's not great, but you can't expect everyone especially people with maybe not so progressive beliefs, it doesn't mean they're not willing to get there. And and that's what I hate about our society is because everything is so team red or team blue or whatever. It's like all these people that probably could learn to see eye to eye or find some sort of way to cohabitate instantly become like just, you know. If
1: everyone's afraid to talk about it, like the discussions are what are necessary. Well, that's why I need, why to, I, I need I, to know your perspectives. You need to know my perspectives. Like we need to share the information yeah. and, and come to a comment. But we can't talk about it because look what happens when you say something. Again, I don't agree with what she's saying, but I disagree with if you throw a thought out there that it's like that's the end because it's starting to teach people to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I I don't mean like like, sure, if you're saying dumb shit, obviously, I don't want to hear it. And hopefully people who are saying like racist, bigoted, ignorant shit, when people start walking, you know, we're comics. We walk the fucking room. We know that people don't like what we're saying. We'd better say something else if we want them to stick around or change what we're doing. Right. But those people who think that they're smarter than us don't realize like, hey, like look at Ann Coulter. That woman says the dumbest shit. I haven't heard her name brought up in a long time, but she's an example I use in these conversations. She says some really ignorant, outdated stuff, and they're constantly shutting her down, stopping her from saying things, silencing her, whatever. And it's like, well, because she's saying all this hate stuff, whatever. I'm like, well, she's been saying it for a long time and I've never met one person that said that they agreed with her. Do you know what I mean? So like letting the person say there yeah, yeah. has, I've never met someone like, wow, she's got some real, I you know, I, my parents raised me. Right. But I heard this one. No, that's a great, uh, that's
0: a great point to point out that like, you need some people doing the wrong thing to remind people what the wrong thing is. You know what I mean? Right. But if you shut
1: it up and you erase it from the history books and all these things, then where do people get this? You know, like it's like it's like anything else. right? How do you measure success if you don't know what failure is?
0: Well, failure is the biggest, biggest uh, engine behind growth, personal growth. And I mean, if you're willing to learn from it and if you don't get completely canceled in the process, you know.
1: Passion, uh, uh, you know, desire, empathy—these are things that'll drive you forward. But we're not—we're not moving on on those platforms. We're moving on fear. Yep. Don't say the wrong thing because you'll lose your job. Don't do this, or you'll lose, don't do this, you'll get canceled. And when people are operating from a place of fear, you're not operating at the best because you're afraid to make mistakes, like you're walking on eggshells, you're not even paying attention to what you're doing, you're just terrified of, of saying or doing the wrong thing. Even in this conversation, like I know where my heart is, I know what my intent is. I well, love everybody. The... I wish everyone got a fair shake. But in this conversation, there are a lot of people that could jump Man, on a little misword. Mis- somebody tries
0: to comment saying, Oh, I didn't agree with Josh on this, that, or other thing. I don't know. I think the point that you made earlier about like, it's so important to discuss things. So what if we didn't say everything perfect? Maybe there is shit that we got wrong or that makes us not as progressive as the next dude over here or whatever, but um, at least we're talking about it. And I think that our hearts are in the right place. And I think most people can, can sift through and see that and not just like jump to conclusions. There is that side of people and that part of society that just wants to, you know, be reactive all the time. But I think most people are not that, ridiculous i like to believe <laughs> that most people I, you know i
1: would hope i would hope and it's probably the kind of thing that won't shut us down today or this year it'll be right the weekend that something really big happens for us someone will dig out a little soundbite i'll
0: get a big guest or something and then he'll i didn't think gina Corona
1: did anything wrong yeah done or whatever even though i didn't say that but i just did now so who knows like that could be well it sounds like
0: you didn't even know the whole situation (laughs) with her
1: oh i didn't i saw the one thing and i go i just i didn't agree with it but i was like and then they're like canceled i was like for that
0: i want to know if she got (laughs) some (laughs) severance package or if it was already written into the contract that if you say you know inflammatory shit that makes disney look bad then void contract or some shit you know i'm very curious
1: oh it's it's friggin' brutal. Another thing that, that I find frustrating that we're not allowed to talk about is people saying now that like, oh, you can't talk about this if it's not your experience. Mm. Why? Why? I don't oh, mean dude, like I'm well, not, there's I'm a whole crowd of people.
0: Say, there's a whole crowd of people that would cut us off just because we're two white guys talking about sure. you know, sexual and gender orientation or or race or anything that we aren't, we are not allowed to have an opinion on. Apparently.
1: I've got I've got again, uh, being an egalitarian, being for freedom of speech, I'm not saying that my take is better. But I think that, well, here's the thing back in the day, let's, let's use men versus women as an example. Like back when men, women couldn't vote, women were treated as lesser. That was wrong. I, I there's no part of me. That's like, Oh, Oh, huh, the good old days. No, <laughs> it was wrong. It was wrong to treat women like they were lesser. I never have in my life because right. I was raised by a single mom. Some of the strong, the strongest people I've ever met in my life were women.
0: Yeah. So there's
1: no, there's no chauvinism that exists in me. Will I make a chauvinist joke because I know it pisses people off? Sure. I'll do lots of things. Or because it's a well-written
0: yes. joke, maybe. Yeah.
1: Well, no, I, I don't I don't have that as a belief. You don't punch But down, it's just kind man. of funny every now and again to just... Because I know it'll piss my mom off. <laughs> so, like, if I'm just chatting with my mom and I'll just say something... But it's like... The, the intent is, like, I, I tell people all the time, women are like, why do guys fart and think it's funny? I'm like, we don't think that the fart's funny... You're uncomfortable. You're disgust, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> I throw a rubber spider at you because it bothers you. Yeah. You're bothered. You're bothered. If, if me dressing up in a suit all the time, bothered you, I'd fucking do it. It's not the thing. It's that you're bothered.
0: Yeah. So reaction.
1: again, if I throw away a, a chauvinist joke at my mother to piss her off, it's because you're bothered. And I know it works. I don't believe what I'm saying. There's a lot of things in life that are that way. I don't really believe it. It's just, it's a real quick way to bother you. And that's what I believe in <laughs> bothering you. But I just mean that like, when someone says like, Oh, it's not your experience. You can't talk about it. I'm like, well, for starters, I'm like, I'm not going to turn around and say like, well, here's what it's like. Cause I don't know. And obviously anyone listening to me goes, well, you're not that. So how would you know? But the idea that we can't, make an observation or things like that i find that that contributes to the the silencing and the stifling of conversations yeah. right like i want to know how other people think like i said with, with the the men were wrong when they treated women like they were lesser and to to me where i feel like we're in a time now where it's like well men are the bad guys and some of us are some of us are
0: a lot but, of are terrible but, yeah but,
1: but to me i'm like I'm again, going back to egalitarian. Listen, I got to live 30 some odd years of my life where, where men definitely had an advantage. If it's women's turn to have an advantage, I'm all for it. That's fair. Yeah, it's more turn. How I feel if it's your turn, that's fair. I'm, I'm good for fair. However, the only thing I take issue with is calling it progress. If, if the pendulum's swinging the other way, that's fair. It's not progress. If, if the abused becomes the abuser, yeah that's not progress
0: well replacing a patriarchy with a matriarchy or whatever i've always said is kind of ridiculous but i think a lot of those people feel that it's justified because of how badly it's been the other way that to get to the middle they'll have to balance the scales first or whatever you know i understand
1: that, and i'm great to talk with i've spoken with a lot of people about it um i think you know, it's funny. I think it's unfortunate that people don't even realize what feminism is. like a lot of people think feminism is is women thinking they're better than men. It's not. It's, it's literally e- equality.
0: Quality. Yeah. I do, do think women women equality. running the world as far as like, uh, you know, countries and shit like that would probably go a lot smoother. I think there'd be a lot less war if it was women. Maybe not. Women can be. Who knows? Who
1: knows? It's it's one of those. <laughs> wait, wait until they get in the situation. I'm all for seeing what happens. Well, but guys are
0: stereotypically, obviously not everyone, but full of t- testosterone and adrenaline and kind of that. And then also just the posturing and the machismo and a lot of the shit that you just sure. get growing up. Some people, a lot of
1: pride issues. Yeah. I, I've seen similar things with, with women, a lot of passive aggressiveness. Sure. That's why I said. There can be catty women, but I'd say yeah.
0: by and large, women are at least willing to be vulnerable and sensitive and that's so important in resolving conflict I think because it shows oh, exactly. that you're vulnerable to the other side and no one wants to beat the shit out of a crying person you know what I mean and to show yeah. that vulnerability you're like oh well,
1: well look at the animal kingdom literally like most of them turn around and roll their, be- their back and show you their belly like literally like, don't I'm not threat I'm putting myself in a vulnerable position yeah. and it's like that's almost instinctually the you know I don't say predator because if there's a predator situation that's, that's not gonna terrible
0: be. you're going to get your but just a, like, but yeah.
1: just a social situation where one animal a group will, will show its belly it's like i give up i'm, I'm giving you access to what can kill yeah, me in the pack or whatever yeah yeah it's like I, i'm showing vulnerability and that almost always de-escalates the situation okay. like you I submit well
0: vulnerability you know I mean? from one party solicits empathy from the other generally speaking if you're a decent person you know what i mean right
1: oh 100 i i've worked on that in my 30s i i I just remember being a young male thinking like vulnerability was weakness, and that's the the worst. One of the most toxic things bouncing around in the male psyche is is that that like this sounds like
0: a bullshit emotional hipster thing to say but i've always been like that like even as a kid i've never been able to get on board i think some of it's rooted in sucking at sports i know that sounds ridiculous but not getting into that male bravado vibe and giving a shit and and actively being put off by it by a lot of those types um i've always felt like like when me too and all that kind of stuff happened i was obviously in support of it but i was also like man, there's so many fucking guys being this big piece of shit. Like I always wanted a girlfriend. I wasn't not horny. I wasn't not a sexual person, but I never saw the value in going to tap that ass of some random fucking person at the club or. Yeah. I'm
1: like, you don't know me. I like you feeling
0: empty and sad. I don't know. At least me. I don't don't,
1: know. No, I I agree with you. I was actually the kind of person who was envious of one night stands, not because I'm like, Oh, I wish I could have a bunch was just like, I've just never been that comfortable being like I'm going to go be intimate with a stranger.
2: Mm. You no, know, well, now it's not I know really there's a lot of
1: ways. Well, yeah, oh, like to me, I'm like I'm like oh god, I couldn't. Well, I I don't know. I need an actual. <laughs> I've been need so an OCD. I, with I someone.
0: I, I think that that uh, that would prevent me from ever. Ha- I mean, I'm obviously in a relationship and I've been somewhat of a serial monogamous my whole life, but um, I've I've never had that urge because I'm so OCD that like I'm a germaphobe. I'm not going to hook up with some stranger because I'm going to think that I'm going to catch some STD or the condom's going to break and they're going to get pregnant and then tell me that they're now super I'm attached Christian.
1: to this person for the rest like, of my oh, life. Oh, I don't
0: believe in abortion or whatever. And like, oh, shit, well, now I'm having a kid with this. Birth. Like, that's the kind of shit that would always run through my head as a young horny guy who might've been on the verge of, of having one night stands here or there. And I was just like, I don't know. I don't fucking know you. It feels weird. I don't well, know. I,
1: I always had low self-image. So most of the time I couldn't even tell when someone was interested in me. Oh yeah. The amount oh, yeah. of times a friend would be like, you know, that girl was interested in you. Right. And I was like, really? Yeah, I didn't, yeah, I, just, like... I just, I just never assumed, dude, I could tell you stories about like things women said to me that to everyone else was like, that's a giant green light. And I'm like, Oh, okay, well I'll see myself out.
0: Your confidence level <laughs> was just not there. Well, I yet. just, I
1: just, I just never had a particularly high self-image. But at the same time, like, and there's so many people who've told me, like, oh, that's so sweet and endearing. I'm like, well, trust me, it wouldn't be long term. The yeah. insecurities and codependency would drive you crazy. The neediness. But for me, it was like I, my mentality when I saw someone was always like, what would we? For the one night stand mentality, I was always like, what would we talk about five minutes afterwards? Yeah. Laying next to this person, I'm like, I don't know if we would. I'm like, I've even said like, I've seen gorgeous women. I've said this on stage. I like gorgeous women. like, like you're gorgeous. But I go, my penis is like, oh, I'd like to have sex with her. But I'm like, but I don't know anything about you. You could, you could run a dog fighting ring in your basement and I'd hate you for that. You'd yeah, be an awful yeah. person. But the idea that I'm just like, like, that's, I would have basically every time I see an attractive woman, I have the immediate hormonal instinctual response. Like, oh God, that looks good. The things I would do. And then immediately logic takes over and goes, you don't know her. Yeah. You know what I mean? She doesn't know you. She would, might know not have steps, similar yeah, quirks. Interest. What would you even talk about? Like, I I talk myself out of the worst parts of being male sometimes.
0: (laughs) Well, dude, not only that, but a one night stand on top of that is not only like, oh, I don't know this person, but then you're throwing sex on top of that, which is like, even if you've gone on a few dates with someone, that's still—I would hope for most people—generally kind of a big step, and and it's it's great. That's one of the greatest things about being in a relationship is when you get past that and you're super comfortable with each other, and you don't have to feel awkward about getting naked together or any of that kind of shit. And you know, a lot of that self confidence uh, comes up a bit because you you generally know from past experiences like this person digs my body, and we've had some good, you know, great experiences. You know, anyway.
1: No, I'm with you, dude. I I still I still can't get over my uh, crystal the the, the long term relationship that I had since uh, since I pretty much started stand up comedy. Like again, I'm very comfortable with her. You know, I I would she's the only person on the entire planet that I would ever consider being naked in front of.
0: You're still together, yeah? Ah,
1: uh, we've been we've been chatting as of late. We were not together throughout the course of the pandemic. We've just recently started talking again.
0: Okay,
2: cool. Um,
1: but it's it's nice because like we were we were talking it's not really my place to tell her stories but she was just saying how one of the things that she really appreciated about our relationship was you know how comfortable we are together yeah you know what i mean like the idea that she's like that i can <laughs> Like as long important. as you keep
0: things exciting too, because that can be a slippery slope the other way. If you get too comfortable, that's where a lot of divorce come, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah. Just laying naked in the kiddie pool in the backyard. like, you love my bed. <laughs> yeah.
0: Or you just see them take off your clothes and you're like, eh. oh, <laughs> and no, then they're I, feeling I, the same for you. Then that could be a problem. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, when she would get dressed and stuff like that, I would just lay in the bed and kind of like, you know, googly eyes looking at her or whatever. she's always like, yeah, I, was, I was watching me getting dressed. I'm like, you just look so good. Like I, I can't help myself. <laughs> Yeah. As but, long as you're uh,
0: still infatuated with the person, it's great.
1: Oh it's like... dude. And, and yeah, I, I mean, I, I met her when I was 12 and we were each other's first boyfriend, girlfriend or whatever. So we've had kind of a connection for a lot of our life. It's hard to pull away from each other, but, oh, yeah. um
0: that's a huge, but point.
1: yeah, I, uh, I st- I uh, God, this is so sappy. I still think she's the most gorgeous woman in the entire world.
0: That's um, all you need, then, man. Oh, I mean, as long as you don't hate her personality, but I'm assuming not.
1: She's a good person. We like it's you know we we've always talked about just how like our own shit from when we were young or whatever in the relationships and the upbringing and stuff like that. We we brought a lot of stuff into our relationship um, that we we never dealt with that we didn't even really understand was there or, or understand what it was doing to us. That's
0: most, it's like, that's
1: why psychology is so important. Well, there's a, there's a a, a teacher, a poet named Leo Bascalia, And he, I read this years ago, but he was saying that like, it's funny that like the one thing that everybody wants in life, you know, condom percentage, 99.9% of people want is love a partnership, love. And it's the one thing that they don't teach us how to do. Nobody teaches you how to do that. No one says, Hey, uh, I got, you know, uh, after lunch, I got love, love relationships, one hundred and one, or whatever. Yeah. Your parents will sit you down and go, Hey, like it's time to learn about love, but it's the thing that we all assume we're just going to excel at. We're going to get into a relationship and we're just going to excel. And if it's you gonna, meet like, the, right in the person, movies. Yeah.
0: if you meet your yeah, soulmate
1: even then it takes work to compromise and to understand to learn your how your own shit manifests in your relationship. And you know
0: what, man, that's why they don't teach it to us because so many people think they have it figured out and then they get fucking divorced when they're like 50 and they're like, oh, back to square one. I guess I don't know everything, you know? So I think it'd be hard to teach a class unless it was all taught by people who had like ironclad relationships that were just like best friends. Men are from
1: Mars. Women are from Venus. While the title is not exactly as progressive as it once was men are from Mars. Women are from Venus is a great, is still one of the best books on relationships. Um, I listened to the, the author, Dr. John Gray uh, talk one time uh, extensively in an interview. And I was like, this guy's really like his levels of empathy, his levels of care for relationship his all of the counseling and work that he had done, you know, leading up to the book, book came out in the nineties, if I'm not mistaken, but um, still one of the top books on the list. Um, but it deals more with the personality type and not exactly the gender slash sex is that in every relationship, this was now I'm. I'm paraphrasing. This is not a direct quote for myself. For sure. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, this <laughs> might be cancelable for to say, but the person he was he was being interviewed by was saying that they they've noticed in a lot of relationships. There seems to be a masculine role and a feminine role. So whether whether or not it is in a male or female body, right? Because you can see like. Uh, lesbian relationships gay relationships where you can see that there's still one person who seems to be more, more predominantly masculine more well, predominantly we should say that quote
0: unquote masculine and feminine role sure That's whatever weird, honestly
1: yeah yeah please insert whatever the most appropriate term is that is my intent to be yeah, the yeah. most appropriate term but i've seen relationships that, that they're saying that you can even see in a in a uh heterosexual relationship sometimes the, the woman is more of the leader masculine kind of role. And yeah. the guy is more oh, feminine. Yeah. Dude, that's you know I mean? like so where I'm at.
0: I, I, again, I don't like using... Um, like, I wouldn't say, oh, my fiance, she's the masculine one. I don't think that's the right terminology. But um, 100%, like she is the main but it's nurse.
1: like an archetype
0: tendencies and yeah like i just wish there was a better name for each i don't know what i would insert but she's you know the main breadwinner because she's an amazing nurse she's been doing it forever and she's awesome at it um i work part-time at the hospital as well or not even on call so not even part-time but a couple times a week you know uh i'm the main guy who takes care of the kids A, a historically feminine role um even when there's shit to fix around the house, most of the time it's her. I hate like tools and that really? kind of shit. I mean, I'll I usually get into it once I get into it. And if it's like Kia furniture or something, I'm on board, but she'll like change the light fixture and like learn how to do the electrician shit on YouTube. Like she's just that kind of go getter when it comes to that hands on shit. And um, I can be that way with podcasting with uh, certain things. But yeah, predominantly things that
1: you're interested in.
0: Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. But predominant but again, predominantly I'm the artistic one, which is often associated with the feminine side. Although I think that's extra ridiculous because there's been so many amazing male artists of all types, but still it always gets thrown in that if you're at least 20 years ago, maybe not now, thank God, but 20 years ago, if you were in drama class, it was like, oh, you know, that kind like of performing, shit. performing arts kind performing, of performing, being vulnerable again, is seen as a weak trait. Uh, something that alpha males don't seem to really align themselves with. It's like, if I do this, then I'm showing weakness and that for, therefore makes me weak and I can't handle that or whatever. Yeah. Have you, you
1: heard know, Patrice yeah. O'Neill's bit about typing?
0: I don't know. You'd have to refresh my he just, It's
1: yeah. just a short thing. He goes, I can't type. I wish I'd learned how to do that because like, back when I was in high school, you know, we didn't take typing class. We see the guy going to type. We, we, we made fun of the guy going to type. Like, what are you going to type in class for? You yeah. got to be a secretary someday. You're going to be fucking did it. And he's just mocking the guy. <laughs> and now, and now, I now can't you type. need for. Yeah. he goes. It goes. And now I can't type. i I spent all my time mocking the people that were i use these four
0: that's my typing these four fingers i'm still pretty i have
1: to i have to look and i still fuck up so i i wasn't paying attention in in typing class
0: i hated typing class so i i don't even regret not following through because i always thought it was like trying to type the right way or whatever. I never, yeah.
1: Saw the but uh, <laughs> just just circling back to the metaphor from Mars and metaphor Venus. What's nice about that book is that taking the two archetypes, uh, reading about it and how they operate. What's What's nice is that you can almost, depending on which way you lean in your mannerisms, behavior tendencies, you can sort of see. Oh, okay, I'm more in in line with this. And nine times out of ten, you'll notice. Oh my, and this this behavior sounds like my partner. And yeah. what's nice about that book, and this is what Doctor John Gray said when he was discussing, and he goes. A lot of people, when my book came out, they misunderstand the title, like men are from Mars, women are from Venus. It's like, oh, we don't know each other. We're never going to get along. And he's like, and that's not what it's about at all, is that when you when you understand that that your partner thinks and operates differently, and when you understand how they operate, then you can communicate with Why each other. And how you One operate. One side's yeah. trying to yeah. say, you be more like me. No, you be more like me. It's like, no, once we understand how we operate, we can be respectful. We can understand what's coming from, what they're feeling in those moments. Yeah. Like, I remember one of the things that they talked about in the book, which was really fascinating to me was that like, they used, um, they used the example of, of, of men in the workplace. Again, this is nineties, the but they're saying how, like a lot of times in a relationship, like, uh, you know, a woman will, will be, uh, you know, uh, upset with her, uh, husband come home and try to talk about his day and say, Oh, what you need to do is, you know, like, no, I don't need your solutions or whatever. You don't, you don't understand. It's saying like, like, a, a, in a male role, again, archetype at the time it's like a guy goes to work he's solving problems all the time. People are coming with the problems. He's solving them. He's doing it. He's helping out. And then my partner comes to me with a problem and I'm trying to solve it. She's like, no, 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 stop. Stop. he's like, what do you mean? Like, I, I want to help you. This you is know, what you I do. Might, yeah. there's something going on. I'm trying to give you a solution. Like I'm not, not and she's like, Oh, you don't understand. What do you mean? I don't understand. I understand everything you're saying. I'm trying to yeah, help. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, but, but in that role for the, for the, the female archetype, it's like, no, you don't understand. I'm not, trying to get you to solve my problems i just want you to hear me and hear what i'm going through like i don't need you to do anything i just want you to understand where i'm coming from and to empathize it's like um it's it's fascinating because and as long and as guys we don't understand that we're just like people come to us with problems all the time naturally we're inclined to want to solve it so does that
0: book imply that if you have two of the same that that can't work or is that discussed
1: i don't i don't know because uh, I, I feel like
0: yet. you could have that couple where they're both like task-oriented people and then they're like, this is awesome. And they high-five and everything's like, you know, or the opposite where they're both really It doesn't
1: necessarily get into like a task-oriented thing because again, it doesn't say anything about women don't want to do tasks. It's not like that.
0: They go kind well, of task, backwards. but I meant like like efficient, hands-on problem solving, like you were discussing the male role of like I'm solving problems. I feel like two people like that could probably hit it off because it's more so- of the okay.
1: connection involved with it. So again, too, like because you might have the guy who wants to come home and talk about his day, and the 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 wife who's like bang, bang, bang all day long. She's Workaholic, the one home, yeah. getting shit done. You know what I mean? And he yeah. just doesn't I don't want you to solve it, honey. I just want you to had a long day. I just want to talk to you about Hear it. Me out. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, so the idea is that they were saying that like it kind of goes back to an instinctual time, like you know caveman days or whatever where it's like men were traditionally hunter gatherers and women were traditionally you know caretakers and 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 homemakers um cave makers whatever you want to call it yeah. <laughs> so the idea is that like when men were at hunting when you're in a position of danger and there's predators and things you need to act fast mm-hmm. you don't have time to sit and discuss what we're going to do it's we need to act fast so you get in the there's an instinctual thing of like when there's a problem you act fast let's come up with a solution quickly right and whereas whereas women have a very respectful position and mindset on that and again this is the archetypes okay again so i'm yeah. like please don't hide jump down my throat comment sections yeah. whereas they like they talked about in the workplace whereas like a guy's like we got a problem we're gonna solve it here's my solution let's go do this whereas like they were saying in the workplace a woman will come to to the group with, with a problem and say hey guys we're having an issue with this and they're like, great what are we gonna do and they're like Oh, well, I'm coming to you with it so that we can discuss it. Because in her position, it would be rude to work on it on our own without giving everyone else a voice to be a part of the of the thing. Which is why, and they and they kind of explain this is that's which is why when a guy's like, I'm going to take my wife on a vacation. I'm going to pick the hotel, that I'm going to do all this, and then we go here, honey. Look, we're going on this trip that I made, and she'd be like, "You you planned a trip? You you didn't consult it, you me. The, yeah. didn't even." And as a guy, we're like, "I just gave I." The, no, you don't but, have to do anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You don't have to. I just, I saved you all that trouble. Like I would love for someone to just go, here it is. Cause yeah. I'm used to making all the decisions. Like, so, but the idea is that one person isn't wrong. Do you know what I mean? The idea is that when you understand that she would appreciate being included in the planning that's not like, oh, I'm going to get in shit because I'm giving her a task. right Cause, No. Cause and again, then the
0: next time you include her and then you realize there's a little less work for you and it's more of a, a group effort now and, and people start to grow as a couple. Yeah, I get that. Yeah.
1: And there's like a million little examples of this in the in the book. They talk about how he says that women are like waves and men are like elastic bands. And he says that, like, you know, men will pull away. Sometimes we just need a little space. We pull away, but we come back. And the whole idea is that sometimes when you feel the guy pulling away, just Give him his time. Like he's gonna, he's gonna come back. It's not like,
0: but if he pulls too far, it's gonna snap back, and it's gonna be aggressive. Right,
1: right. So, I, I don't think they go too, too (laughs) exactly the last way, But he basically just says that you'll feel your guy kind of pull away to his own thing. But it's like, it's like this. It's like the same as women, up and down like waves. Right. I mean, it's not like they're gonna always be at a low. They're not always gonna be at a high. But he says that a lot of us as guys, again, because we're solution based. Like, oh, you're upset. I want to make you feel better. I want to solve it. That's how we even show love, right? I show love by wanting to be there for you, right. As a male, like he said that, that with all of his counseling, this was an interesting thing. I'll get back to the wave thing, but he said that for years of doing counseling with couples, he goes, whenever, um, whenever I, I, uh, was, was with a woman who was ready to leave a man, she would say, I give and I give and I give, and I'm still not getting my needs met. And he said, whenever a man was ready to live, to leave a woman, he would say, I give and I give and I give, and still I can't make her happy. Mm. so they get into talking about how men and women feel loved at times. Like obviously there's books like love languages and there's more senses of loves, but men predominantly the archetype want to provide, we want to go out and kill the thing and bring it back for family. We want to be providers. We want to do our job for our partner. We feel loved when we provide for our partner. So that booking the trip and going, look what I provided for you it's like that's how I feel love. Look what I, you know, like the cat dropping the bird on the doorstep. Look yeah. what I got you. You know, I love you. Look at that. yeah. But that's why when we're met with like, you didn't even include me. It's like, well, I don't feel love because I feel like I failed. I didn't yeah. make you happy.
0: The work I did you know, is you know? not being appreciated at all. You're just jumping. Right. Yeah. Now
1: that's but that's because we only understand our way. Cause yeah. we kind of like, well, I would like it if someone, you know. But this is how I'm trying to show you. I'm trying to provide for you. I'm trying to make you happy with this. I'm trying to make you happy with that. You didn't include me. You won't listen to my day. I can't make you happy when I'm when I'm you know listening to your day because I'm trying to help you and you don't want to hear it. I don't understand. You know, I solve everybody's problems, I can't solve yours. Now, this is just the guy side of it. Right. So understanding what's going on from your partner's perspective, you understand that they're not just trying to be difficult, that they look at the situation differently. So when he's talking about the waves, he's saying that, like, you know you're when you're when your partner's feeling down that's the time like you want to help and and you're like she's not going to feel better right away if you invest your time in her and she's down right now right so don't be like hey are you want to feel what can i do for you she's just down "Ah, well it didn't work and then you just kind of bail or whatever it's like he goes when do you when do you invest in the stock market when it's down right and it's like when do you invest in your partner when they're down. So just know that you can do things, you can provide things, and you're not going to get your payoff when it's down. So wait, but she's going to come back up. You know what I mean? Invest in her, show her respect, give her whatever she needs in that moment, and don't look for your reward at that time. But when it goes back up, Guess who's the first person she's thinking of that that yeah. was there for her when she was down or whatever, and that's what he's referring to as the waves, is right. But us as guys, like you're down trying to help, didn't work, and we kind of get a little discouraged, and it's like just give up. And it's like, no, don't give up. Like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. It's just not going to pay off right now. I'm curious to
0: read this because, dude, uh, it's one
1: of the best fucking books on relationship ever. The
0: interesting ever. part to me though is that like obviously we've already said a million times we're talking about the male and female archetypes, not whatever you want to call them, but um, it still does seem very binary in that there's this one archetype and there's this one archetype. Whereas from what you've been discussing, I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle because predominantly a lot of it, I fall into the female archetype. But when you were talking about how guys just need to stretch out sometimes and and they'll come back, I was on the opposite of that, especially in my my marriage. I feel like um, whenever we would have a fight, I was the one who I needed to fix things. I'm like, no, we need to talk about this. We need to sort it out. And she always just needed time to cool down. And I, I drove me insane, um, which is being described as sort of the opposite.
1: It works. Well, it, the, what, what he's referring to as the pulling away thing is it's not so much like in an instant, it's just the general way of being like, he talks about how like the reason guys watch sports and read the newspapers is like, sometimes the, the, the amount of stuff in the world is just so much. We need a break from mm our shit so go watch go watch sports right and solve someone else's problems oh the coach should have they should have ran this play they should have yeah. oh can you believe what's going on over here they should have done this so it's an escape from yourself and you're pulling away you're not just pulling away from your partner you're kind of just taking a a, a little vacation from your own shit now again this is the archetype not so much that so when they refer to the pulling away it's like if you feel not connected to your partner it's not that he's disconnecting from you he's just kind of like pulling away from himself as well mm. And it will come back. He refers to it as like a guy going into his cave. He just needs some him, him time for bullshit. Not, yeah. It's not like he's going there to have a relationship with himself. Well, I'm
0: rethinking what I said now. And that technically still puts me in the female archetype. Cause I was the one who didn't want to give the space. So yeah, I guess it's still, does and, well. that's the, what he says. He goes, yeah, if you chase, he goes, a
1: guy's going to go into his cave and you yeah. leave him alone. He'll come out. You know, if he goes in his cave, don't stand at the mouth of that cave going, I'm, gonna, I'm right here. When you come out, yeah. I'm right here. So, you know, I'm right here because he's just going to stay in there. He knows you're waiting on the outside. He's going to stay in. So it's like when you feel that pull away, it's great. Same as guys. When you feel that kind of dip, it's yeah. like it's going to come back up. If you fucking like it's going to. And you're waiting for your payoff. And you're like, great. Can't do anything to help. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, what am I doing? What am I useless? She doesn't love me, whatever it is. There's a ton of different examples in the book of just different. It's, and it's like I said, it's not so much like exact situational as it is just the archetype. Like if the person, one person in the relationship wants to come home and talk about their day, he refers to it as uh, pause and prepare we're talking about Diego so he goes, what, what the couples need to do is to say, this is what I need in this moment. In fact, Dr. John Gray in this book was the one who coined the phrase quickie. Oh yeah. For sex. Like, Hey, actually I had to have a quickie. That's, that's his term. They, they came up with him and his wife. That's Bonnie. hilarious. Dude. It's well, and it's like, so it's like people say that all the time. It's just part of our language. Now it's, it's gay, better but,
0: than making whoopee. Like they used to say on fucking uh, <laughs> game shows he, and shit.
1: But he was saying how like, um, in the, uh, it's funny. I'm trying to remember the original thing before the quickie. I'll tell you the quickie thing. I find it very interesting, but it, it was just kind of like, you know, uh, the pause and prepare is what he says for, for women. You need to pause and prepare your guy because he is going to instinctually want to solve your problem. Whatever college humor did a, a video basically about it where like this girl's got a nail in her head and she's like, it just hurts all the time. And this and that, and the guy's like, I, if you want, I can just pull, no, stop it. You're not listening to me. You know, she's like, it's just all my sweaters get hooked. And there's all, and she's just complaining about me. He's like, like, he just wants to solve the problem. She just wants to vent. Yeah, She just wants to talk. But, but basically uh, what he says is that, that in those situations, a guy wants to help. So if you prepare him, that's like, listen, honey, I just want to talk about my day. I I don't need you to solve anything. I don't need you to to give me any advice. I just need you to hear it. And then I'll feel better. So it's like, as, as men, again, archetype internet fuckers, uh, that archetype is like, We need to know how us just sitting here and doing nothing is going to help. We want to help. So by saying, listen, if you let me get this off my chest, then I'll feel better. Okay. We understand how we're helping. Listening helps. I can get on board with that. But he's saying, but you also have to like, he goes, you kind of have to keep it to a a limit, you know what I mean? X amount of minutes or whatever, because if you just keep going and going and going and I'm just sitting there not doing anything, it's like I'm listening, but it doesn't seem to make it any better. You're still upset Like we want to go back. OK, let's fucking solve it because you're clearly upset. So he's got all these little tools for both both sides to sort of here's what you do in a situation where you're naturally going to want to do this. But if you understand that for this person, that's not what they're after. This is what's going to help. It's just really good. Cause like I said, his book isn't about like, Hey, you need to be, what couple hasn't been like, you need to be more like me. No, you need to be more like me. It's like, no, you're different. You're fundamentally different at your core. And by understanding that you can respect.
0: Well, and if you learn to appreciate and and love those differences that can help even more. Yeah,
1: It's like anything else. If you learn about it and you know what's going on, then you're like, Oh well, this is infinitely easier than fucking fighting. Yeah, dude. Everyone's right been right. in a
0: bad relationship. And I, I like, we've been together almost eight years. And uh, I mean, we had fights back in the day here and there, but we've never been huge fighters. And I do think some fighting is healthy, but at this point, it really doesn't happen too often. And if it is, it's some like little, you know, disagreement. And then we're both always really quick to like course correct pretty quick later. Like, hey, what were we doing? You know, that was stupid. Like, uh, I think that's the strongest part of my current relationship and hopefully forever relationship, I believe, um, is that, yeah, we're, really great at communicating and really great at like sensing when the other person oh maybe i said something that offended them and and we give a shit you know that's the other part (laughs) i give a shit about oh crap i said something wrong i want to fix that and sometimes in relationships you don't especially if it's like a relationship that's been festering that really should have had its fucking head cut off like a year ago then people just start like becoming venomous and everything becomes this mini war stacked on another war and then you're just fighting a war all the time and it's fucking draining
1: and it's a shame too because i think like people who cared about each other or whatever one of the most unhealthy things in relationships once you get into it, like you start seeing someone you're like oh if only they change this it's like a oh, list if you're already wanting to be someone different
0: yeah it's well i mean some change is healthy we're always changing and growing growth, not trying to growth like growth is healthy someone yeah that's you shouldn't be trying to if you're like hey
1: i'd love them if they just quit smoking it's like do you know how hard it is to get someone to quit smoking like if that's going to make you resent them yeah and if they're gonna and if you're gonna try to influence their behavior and you're gonna start getting involved with that they're gonna start to resent you well it's something
0: you should be very clear about at the beginning that that's that a huge thing in relationships and and courting and whatever you want to call it dating is being pretty upfront about like not like in a freak way where you're like, Hey, nice to meet you. I want to get married within three years and I need six kids. Like, I don't mean like that, but just, you know, being open about your interests, open about your kind of lifestyle. Um, Cause you don't want to be this like fit person who hooks up with someone who doesn't want it. Cause maybe they just have a natural metabolism and they look great, but, you actually have to work out to get that kind of, you know, result system going uh, that could be doom for a relationship right there, because all of a sudden you want to go work out and they're like, Oh, are you going out again? Or whatever the issue may be, you know, like,
1: Oh yeah. I would say that with crystal all the time. Like I, I, I would love to just keep up with their, I don't know. It's it, she's, she's it, it's weird when you feel like, it's so funny how many insecurities I brought into that relationship because I'm like, i would always joke with her you know what i mean she's in shape she's gorgeous i am not in shape and i would just i would always laugh and say like if anyone ever saw us in public they'd be like oh that guy's got money i'm like nope oh, he's probably got a huge dick wrong again <laughs> like, you know what i mean you're funny i don't know like it's just but it's funny because like you're in like i don't know with me my insecurities could get the best of me i wasn't um wasn't super jealous But just always this sense of like, not being enough again, her being a better breadwinner than me. I'm in an artistic field that has zero guarantees. I I don't know where I'm going to be in in five years, 10 years. What does retirement look like? Is there going to be money to retire? And just this person is so well put together. And you're just like, I I'm so not good enough. Having this horrible dread in your system. That's just like, it's only a matter of time before that person figures that out or whatever.
0: It's funny. Um, with with our setup here, I mean, we've been together, like I said, almost eight years. And um ever since we got this house, like I wanna say seven years ago or something, uh, I've been contributing to the mortgage. Like I, you know, we're definitely a team in every way. Raising kids is a whole thing, and she's an amazing stepmom slash mom. Um, but oh my God, yeah, it's uh I don't know. I just lost my goddamn train of thought again, man. I don't know what's going on with me today. <laughs>
1: just me. Just I was no. It's okay. It happens to me all the time too.
0: Um, um it's weird. It I normally it doesn't happen to me, but today it's a second. Well, time but just now. in
1: terms of like being a contributor and, and oh yes, and yes. yes it sorry, this, it was
0: a, a bit of a joke and inside joke with us that I kind of tease her because I always say like, oh yeah, I just sent you the rent money, and she was always like, oh don't call it that. It's not rent. Like you're contributing to the mortgage, and um, so that's just kind of like a fun little playful thing, but. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, I get that when you're not in that position, it's easy to feel insecure and feel like you're not.
1: And that's actually one of the more masculine archetype things is that as much as we're all trying to be progressive, we're all trying. No, some of us are trying to be progressive. Um, as much as that's a thing, we still can't, again, this goes back to like history and trying to pretend like it didn't happen is as much as, uh, guys have advantages. We also do have disadvantages. Everybody has advantages and disadvantages. Um, and, and one of the disadvantages of guys is that there are certain societal expectations or pressures. Maybe they're not expectations or they're lessening, but the idea that as guys, you know, we like, there's a, there's a book called the end of man. And I don't know if they, if this is the, that, that's the book that this particular point is discussed in. They talk about how, like, why are guys such sucks when we're sick? You know, why do we become such sucks? And it's because that's one of the very few times that society will allow us to mm. unmockingly be weak.
0: Well, it's also, depending on how sick you are, it's also very hard to fake. Being tough through like the sure. flu or whatever. Sure, whatever.
1: but if you're yeah. like, "Honey, I don't feel good," like that that kind <laughs> yeah, of get some uh, chicken soup. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> we, you can't do that. We get hurt, and the expectation is walk it off. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I think women are a little bit better put together. Or, again, some. Again, I'm talking some, not all, because women cry. You yeah. know what I mean? And we, sometimes even guys, we look at it and go like that. Feels like they'll cry over everything. It's like yeah, but they're getting over shit. A lot faster than we are, whereas we're like just stuffing it into our chest.
0: Well, yeah, they're processing dying it. early. Yeah, they're actually taking it <laughs> out and processing it. And I don't know. I think that's women generally outwardly seem to have more compassion. Again, not everybody, but um, a lot of if a guy gets hurt on the football field, I mean, depends. If it's a big game, I'm sure everyone will care. But if you're just in gym class and someone gets hurt, unless like, it's oh insanely, my God, like, yeah, unless it's insanely serious and someone's bones sticking out, if someone just twists their ankle, every guy is going to forget about it in like 30 seconds and no one's going to be consoling him but like with women if that happened i could see one of the girls going and being like hey karen are you okay like did you want someone to talk with while you're sitting out or like they're just more
1: i hope he's doing okay who yeah like who you talking about that guy hurt his ankle what oh yeah yeah,
0: who cares he'll be fine yeah (laughs) yeah But but I I prefer the latter. I've always been like that, too. I hate seeing people in distress and people sad and shit, man, like because it sucks. And and I feel that. And I like I think empathy is a key to humanity, really, man. Like, I think being able to to connect on that level is really important and something we should never, you know, move away from.
1: Well yeah, and like you said, the the thing about like the rent and the provider, I've actually had funny enough podcast listeners reach out to me during tough times and I, they were like you get pretty vulnerable on your podcast. So mm. I kind of felt comfortable talking to you. I'm like, Yeah, thank you. Like what an what an honor for you. Yeah, be, yeah. What uh, a comfortable be vulnerable yeah. with me. But I've had people myself included at times where you're just like, I feel like I should be like sometimes sometimes myself, I'm speaking for myself and some of the people I've talked to. Sometimes you just don't feel like a man. If you're, if you feel like you're not contributing or you're not contributing equally. Yeah, and yeah. as much as, you know, we talked before about people saying like, you can't talk about my, you know, you can't talk about experience you didn't have. I think that, that sometimes when guys come into, there's a lot of us who are, kind of like shit i just i just want to be a good partner. i want to be that one who provides so maybe on an instinctual level when we're not doing that like we really feel like there's something lacking i'll talk for myself i know that during those moments i'm really feeling like there's something that's lacking from me as a man mm. to be able to be to be equal i, I know what is it but
0: is it lacking from a specifically male standpoint or is it just not being self-sufficient not being having that security it might not even be a gender Fair thing. question yeah. Fair question
1: i think uh I, I just i know i've always looked at it that way myself like
0: but that's bred into us or, or trained into right. us from right. the nineties and whatever, when we were growing it's conditioning. up conditioning. You know? Yeah, it's exactly. It's, it's our, our history getting diluted out of society every 10 years. It's a little bit less. And
1: yeah, like I'm not, I'm not intimidated. Like I said, you know, Crystal was, was a stronger, breadworthy I wasn't, I wasn't intimidated by her abilities, her success. It took me, my, it took me, my insecurities a while to learn that her successes were not my failures.
0: Yes, exactly. If that,
1: if that makes sense. And I know that like I like in the relationship, it was just, it was tough for me to, to make that distinction it's tough when you already have a low self-image to be like yeah but your partner doesn't look at you that way
0: but it's also funny because you can be insecure and then go on stage and do stuff that would make so many other people madly insecure and they they look at you like oh this guy's got to have lots of confidence he's Controlling this room and he's acting like everybody's friend as a host or whatever you're doing, you know, like yeah, yeah. Um,
1: uh, and I and I love doing stand-up, I love making people laugh. There's so much, again, we've discussed a lot of it in this world that will make you upset on a regular basis. Yeah. I love that we can provide them when we're doing stand-up comedy or making them I love that we can provide them with an escape.
0: Some levity so that yeah. they're
1: not, yeah, that they're just not feeling this horrible, you know, these these reflections on stuff that sometimes we feel like we can't change. Um, I love that. I've never been, I was standing in line at Harvey's the other day and and a guy kept looking over at me and was like, it looked like he kept wanting to say something. And I was like, I just was like, okay. Like, you know, I've got a mask on, my face is covered. And I'm yeah. just you no know, pickles, lettuce. <laughs> and at one point he just reached out, he's like, I I took me a minute to to recognize, he goes, I knew I knew you from somewhere. Uh, you know, absolute comedy. My girlfriend and I saw you a while back. And of course this would have been a while back with the pandemic, right? Yeah, yeah you were so funny dude you killed it you had my girlfriend in stitches we were chatting about how funny you were. it was a shame you were just the host we would love to have seen more and i was like wow thank you so much for taking the time to, to say that i made that made my day like you guys are so kind um it was just it was That's it was great. nice to well be, i was gonna say guys. actually my,
0: my brother came down because my brother lives in thailand he's married with a kid out there and um he came to visit i want to say like two three years ago now and uh, we went to Absolute, I think, or maybe it was, yeah, because I don't remember. No, it was Absolute. And you were hosting, I believe. And uh-huh. even after he saw all the rest of the comics, he kept saying, Oh, yeah, the host was so funny, man. He, like, you had him in stitches. So
1: thank you. Uh, I definitely
0: I wrote that down here. Quinn visiting thought you were the funniest.
1: <laughs> oh, that's super kind. I please, please thank him
0: for me. Yeah. For well, dude, you. I was watching one of your. Uh, stand-up sets that had me laugh, and you had a joke about Lululemon. And I'm not gonna go tell your joke yeah, or anything, yeah, 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 but exactly. man, that headband yeah. thing was hilarious.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I just, I like making people laugh. I, I, I've worked so many other jobs. Nobody has ever come up to me on the streets and been like, "Hey, you were the guy that sold me my TV at Future Shop, or you're the guy who sold me my phone at Telus or Bell, and you know, hey, you're the electrician that rewired my house so it didn't burn down." Like, yeah, all of the jobs I've done nothing, nothing has, it, has it ever meant enough for someone that it actually made it memorable. Yeah. Whereas I have been very fortunate to, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Well, I've been, I've been, sorry, I'll finish my thought. I've been fortunate enough that that people have have been like, Oh, Hey, you were funny. And, and th- like, just and thank you for remembering me. Do you know what I mean? Well, I and if you're one-
0: a comic and even no matter how successful you are, and obviously you can do it for multiple reasons, but if one of the top reasons you're doing it isn't because I like making people laugh or love people, making people laugh rather, um, then you're doing something wrong in my opinion. That should be the the bedrock of any standup comedian, no matter how experienced you are, is I like to make people laugh or I love it. Yeah,
1: yeah absolutely, absolutely. There was one time when I was in Costco and i'm walking around through costco there's a guy i think he's wearing a leafs hat or a leafs jersey or something trying to make loose i i'm not even a big hockey fan anymore but i was definitely never a leafs fan never never a leafs fan fan either um <laughs> but,
0: bugged me that they weren't the leaves like the leaves right right um, oh, that's
1: anyway <laughs> ron sparks had a bit about how like it's they even misspelled Leafs. yeah But you would think it's not like they're owned by teachers or something yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh basically this guy like i just every you know passing through the food sections whatever just we kept crossing paths and every time i saw him he was just staring at me right and like i don't know if my caveman dna was like dude what the, what the fuck you know what i mean like i just i just remember every time i saw him and, and i'm very empathetic i'm very like don't start conflict needlessly or whatever yeah. like and i just but i was just kind of like he's staring at me they obviously an insecurity coming up to me, like what the fuck i don't i don't know him what is he doing you know fucking leafs fan what does he want and right at the very and then it, and like i ended up in line at the cash and he was staring at me again and i was about to be like dude what the fuck what yeah. the, why are you staring at me and and right before i said something he was like absolute comedy that's where i know you from dude fucking hilarious and i was like Ah, thank you. Thank you so much. Like like Trying to remember where he knew me from every time he was looking at me. And I was just like, that's such a, just always a great reminder of me to just, doesn't matter where I am or what I'm doing. Like now that I'm a comedian, like I am my product. You know, I remember when I worked at, at other places and I'd have uniforms on sometimes taking the bus home and stuff like that. I'd be yeah. with colleagues and they'd, they'd mouth off or try to say something stupid to someone on the bus. I'm like, dude, stop. You're still wearing your uniform.
0: Yeah. You're representing right? the brand. Like right. your,
1: your live Twitter with your brand on it. If they find yeah. out, they'll give you shit, you know? So it's was always just like, you are, you're where, when you're in your uniform, people aren't going to go, Oh, that so-and-so Matthew. They're going to go, Hey, that guy who works at TELUS or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, like they're associating you with that brand. Don't do something that's going to make the, the company looks shitty but now that i'm a comic i mean i i am the company i am the brand so, so don't do anything shitty do ever, everywhere yeah. yeah like well you talked early on about how there's some people who will be rude to a new up-and-coming comic sometimes people act like they're better than the audience who are coming to say th- thank you or hi after yeah, the show yeah. it's like, dude treat everybody like gold man because the the these are the people that are effectively going to come back and see your show or
0: tell you know their I mean? friends about you or subscribe yeah, if to your you're an channel, asshole like, like or... oh yeah i
1: saw him like yo hey i'm going to go see josh willis like, oh i met him before he's an asshole
0: yeah even if you do. were funny on stage be like, yeah he was hilarious but what a dick yeah, <laughs> like, say
1: hi and he was like get out of here i'm like, oh thanks like yeah, like, yeah. No, i'm always like oh thank literally you literally
0: detracts I, from your performance to a degree yeah
1: and i thank them for coming to say hello well you know what i mean yeah. like Just, I appreciate you taking the time to say that. Thank you for telling me that you thought I was funny at absolute comedy. Thank you. Like it's it's kind of you. I'm glad. I appreciate you telling me and not just remembering going, Oh, that's who he is. Like, thank you. That makes my day to know that.
0: that, Dude, the best thing ever is when you do a competition, you don't make it through the round and then you still have someone come up and they're like, I really liked you or whatever. That it's a nice sort of counterbalance when you don't make it through, you know?
1: Yeah. It's just, it's nice when you know that what you're doing is making somebody you know, happy.
0: But in that that, situation specifically, because if you won, you almost expect people are going to go congratulate the winner. But to have someone come up to you when you didn't win or you didn't make it through and say like, hey, your set really spoke to me or I really liked what you did with the guitar there or whatever. That's it's nice, you know.
1: Yeah, thanks for taking the time to let me know that that it wasn't for nothing.
0: And in my case, it's only ever been like a single person. I am not trying to put forth out there that I do these shows where co- people are congregating to come say hi to me. Like, no, not by any means. But dude,
1: I've had some weird things after shows. <laughs> also, I, I don't know, I don't know about you, but as comics. I can't take. I can't take. I have a difficult time taking compliments. I'm not like, oh my god, thank you so much. I'm like, oh, that's that's so kind of like I'm head. that's very sweet. I very yeah. nice
0: of you. Well, it's good to be humble. It's good to be modest.
1: Oh, I well I just i mean i try my best sometimes yeah you know not not at being humble i try my best to do a good job on stage so like i i appreciate it but in that artist's mentality um
0: i was gonna ask I, well i i sort of threw it out there but i had um this way when i started doing comedy probably at absolute and some girl came up after and gave me her friend's number and that like i was in a relationship i didn't follow through but right that was that was an interesting uh I was like, really? It just caught me off guard because when you're on stage, you're not thinking about that kind of shit. You're thinking about your fucking set and just not fucking up. And
1: there are comics who are thinking about that shit on stage. And yeah, yes, eh? yeah they're probably oh, I've seen it. I've seen it where guys are like, Hey, come up and see me after the show. We'll take pictures. Well, you know, we'll, we'll flex for you. We'll, we'll do this and that. Hey guys, I'm the sexy, this or that or whatever. Like I'm, yeah. you see them like in their act trying to be like, I'm laying the groundwork for like, Weird. After the show. I'm like, I'm like, okay. I guess. yeah i don't know i don't know it's, it's like it's like a, a shitty infomercial yeah. some of them are ones who are like in relationships and i'm like oh that's so gross yeah that's Try so you're
0: like canoodling at night when your wife's at home sleeping or whatever
1: oh dude that's yeah that stuff breaks my friggin' heart again i'm like a guy who can't even do a one night stand because i don't know you but then like your best friend your partner and you're like hey i could fucking betray the betray ah I, that's i won't even get started on that but i dude, i could I've do a whole that.
0: betrayal thing too yeah yeah i've had there was
1: I was doing a podcast earlier today with a publisher, and she was talking about how uh, she's publisher, editor, uh, president of a, of a publishing company, and, I, and she was just saying how there's some people that, that like you know it's their first book, and then the editor is like, hey, you know, we found these loopholes if you could tighten them, or maybe are you sure you want to go this direction with this? But and they're like, nope, everything's perfect, it's great. It's like she's like those people are very hard to work with, and it's like yeah, it's like you get comics like that where they're brand new, and you're like, hey, I have got some advice, maybe they're like nope, I'm, I'm I'm perfect, I'm the most funny person ever, and like yeah that's hard to work with so like that's why i would say like the artist that's like oh that's very kind like very humble or whatever like usually the guys that are coming off stage going like oh fuck i screwed up this line i should have said this even though they did great it's like to me i'm like that's the one i know is going to last because that's the one who's always trying to improve
0: and get better they're more invested yeah
1: right rather than the one that goes i'm perfect or the one that goes eh, i'm just having fun yeah it's like the person who's going like i want to do better regardless of the outcome, the end game, I just, I want to do better. And I I, I just want to get around. that's the one I'm like, yeah, you can work with that too. Because somebody who's like, now nah, you got nothing you can teach me versus someone who's like, Oh, well,
0: like, that's not a great attitude to have in life in general with anything. Yeah. You should always be open to new experiences and
1: right. Well, someone who's perfect, there's no room to grow.
0: Yeah. And just probably I mean? living a pretty boring life. I would think yeah. Um, well, you just mentioned your podcast only because we've been going on for like this one here. <laughs> yeah, you're wearing the hat. I want to make sure we get in some stuff about your podcast before sure, uh, we yeah, run out of I mean, time. Uh, but um, so let's just start by you, like give a pitch about your show to my audience and for people who haven't heard it like what, in a nutshell kind of thing, you know?
1: Well, my podcast is called The One Man Podcast. It's me talking to that wall right there uh, for a uh, minimum an hour every week. And basically it's just, here's what's going on with me. So every week I say, this is what I did this week, personally, professionally. Here's some thoughts that I'm having. Uh, the, the podcast is just... Uh, mid-May celebrated its four-year anniversary so there's over 200 episodes
0: yeah you've had great Um, guests too yeah
1: yeah I've got still the the mic is set up because when we're done this I'm recording episode 211 okay Um,
0: wait so if I can cut you off um I did notice that you have a lot of solo episodes but then you inject guests here and there so when did you how did you come to that decision for the format
1: so I um I was very fortunate that um a good friend of mine Paul Verzi, is another comment yeah,
0: he has a show with Bill Burr a podcast right yeah damn
1: yeah and verzi has has invited me and let me be a part of some really cool things um cool. he was he was ultimately the person who inspired me to start this podcast and uh, and if you don't mind me telling the story of um, course yeah. I listened to Bill Burr's podcast for a while, which is just Bill talking by himself. And Bursey's got one called the Bursey effect where he's talking by himself. Mm -hmm. And I remember that the two of us worked. um, We were doing shows in Ottawa together. I brought him up from New York to do absolute comedy. And uh, we did a show. And after every single show, now Paul's never done clubs in Canada before he's done tours with Bill where he opens in theaters, but he's never done clubs. So I brought him up. We did a week together. I hosted for him. He did the headline here in Ottawa. And after every single show, there would be no word of a lie at least five or six different couples or people that would come up and say, Hey, we heard on your podcast. You we're going to be here. So we came to see the show. Like this was great. We brought you a cigar. Like he's, he's in the cigars mentions it on his podcast. And I was like, that's crazy. Like you've never been here before. So these are all people that have listened to you maybe from seeing you open for burr or whatever but I'm like, they know what's going on with you. And he's like, yeah, dude. He's like, you got to treat your podcast listeners like gold is like, because there's people that will come and see you like once a year when you're in place, but then your podcast listeners are with you every single week and they're invested in who you are and what's going on with you and everything. I was like, that's crazy. So we did the, the, the shows in Ottawa. And like I said, every single night, I was like, this, this guy's got a podcast and there's people here, they they only know he's here because of the podcast. That's crazy. And then we did a week in Toronto. Same thing. In fact, one of uh, his listeners drove all the way from London, Ontario to Toronto, put his dog in a kennel before he left, got a hotel with him and his, his wife. Wow. And they're in the, yeah, they're like late forties, early fifties. They came to see the show at absolute came to see Paul. And they took me and Paul out for, for dinner afterwards. And we shot the shit, uh, him and I kept in touch when I started the podcast. He's a, he's a listener of mine now too, but this was somebody who's just, again, like the podcast, all that never heard of absolute comedy, just heard on Paul's podcast. And Paul was just saying to me, he's like, dude, there's so many, people that are just invested in you like there was a guy one night after show came back and said hey sorry to hear about you and 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 your 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 depression i'm glad to know you and stacy his wife are, are doing well it's like he just started listing all these things from what we going on in his life and i was just oh, like wow. it's funny like someone you've never met before how just, long just, was his just, podcast like,
0: going at this point
1: i think at this point he was maybe five or six years or something okay, like that. Okay, that's and a
0: healthy amount of time to build a big This is audience. a guy
1: who's in the States who's never done clubs in Canada. And this True, is like yeah. Canadian podcast listeners he's got who are not not just hearing them, but I, like actually actioning, going out to the shows and doing all this. It was crazy. Yeah. And, yeah. and I just remember him saying to me, he's like, yeah, dude, any comedian that's not doing a podcast right now is wasting a golden opportunity because there's people who want to know what's going on with you, want to connect. And just a picture on Instagram or whatever isn't the same as like feeling like they're invested well, i think there's a, a fear
0: person. from a lot of comics especially now that they're just jumping on the bandwagon and there's some kind of I sellout, or they're just not being original by doing it you know
1: yeah i felt that way for sure and i remember uh one night after when verzi taped his uh special for comedy central um there was an after party afterwards where sal vacano and bill burr and, and paul and a bunch of other guys joe bartnick uh were all at this party and we were sitting around talking i remember at one point they said when I was saying like, I'm, I'm, you know, I've just started doing this. Um, Actually, no, I was doing my podcast at the time. That must not have been the time. I think I I apologize. I saw Bill Burr here at TD place and Bartnick, Berzy and Burr myself were sitting at the Highlander. And I was saying, I was thinking about starting a podcast. And that's when they said to me, do a podcast by yourself. Because they said, for starters, it's going to make you a way better comedian. And I didn't understand what they meant by that at the time. Because I was like, oh, it's going to make me a better comedian. Like what? I'm going to come up with ideas and jokes while I do it which is not the case it made me a better comic because now i'm used to talking with no response no feedback oh interesting every single week so if i'm on stage and i'm just talking at an idea i'm not like they're not laughing i'm not getting any response i'm like fuck i talked to the wall for an hour with no response <laughs> that's I can true go that's smart it doesn't minute, nerve you. i go a fucking minute with no with no reaction so i don't yeah. i don't care i'm used to just talking for an hour and off the top of my head no stuff anyways but they also said that then the big thing with doing it by yourself is that you're not reliant on guests so they said the amount of times that like you know you got an episode that's due tomorrow someone's coming over but then they call and say oh something came up i can't make it today let's reschedule or i can't find parking and now it's too late i gotta i gotta go like and now you're left without an episode you know what i mean like you don't have an episode where they're like if you do it by yourself you're going to have the benefit of becoming a better comic and you're not dependent on guests. So if you have guests, it's a pleasant uh, surprise versus an expectation.
0: Although in your case, it's a misleading name for your podcast. When you have guests on,
1: <laughs> I was shocked. Well, here's the thing as I always do the, the guests as a bonus episode. Oh, cool. So the one man podcast exists every week as here's what's going on with me. I am the one man that's showcased you know, cause the yeah, podcast of yeah. what's going on with me personally, professionally, here's what I did this week.
0: It's like a, like an audio journal almost.
1: Yeah, basically it's yeah. like my public journal that anyone can listen to. And I'm very, it's not, Hey, welcome to the wacky comedy. Like it's, yeah. it's very, this is my journal, my life, real Josh, dude, I've openly wept on it. It only happened one time, shit. only one time, but I have, I have like, I've, I've gotten pretty emotional, pretty transparent about some shit. I I think like two or three episodes ago, I was like, "Do I have a micro penis?" And I had to like Google what it is. (laughs) Okay, Ah, turns out I don't, and it's odd that I was disappointed that I didn't because I'm like, "There's got to be some sort of grant or something like that, some sort of sympathy I can get." Turns out it's
0: not micro; it's just extra small
1: turns out I'm a grower. I'm not, I don't have a micro penis. So that's, <laughs> that's a thing, but man, like, but it's funny. Like, I, I don't know. I, the goofy thoughts that come in my head and it's, it's me trying to grow and me new perspectives. I, I've recently started doing a top five list, which I have a lot of fun with. Nice. Um, You know, and I try to make it like a real niche top five thing, but I open, open up to the the listeners who are called onesies. They, yes, I was going
0: to comment on that. I thought that was great. Yeah. Well, I it got I me thinking them, about what I should call my fans, my children. No, that's yeah. a little creepy.
1: <laughs> well, here's what I did. I asked. It makes them, me daddy. That's want- a little. I go. What do you guys want to be called? You know what I mean? And I took emails, and people sent in. One person said onesie, and I was like, "That's really cute." And somebody else was like, "Singletons" or the the one man army, or it's something
0: like. Dak and Shepard called. and his arm cherries.
1: Is that what he calls them? Well, because he's
0: the armchair expert. That's the name armchair of the podcast. Yeah, so yeah, their yeah. arm cherries. He always says that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I just onesies works. Uh, when I saw onesies like that, I put it out to a vote, you guys, which ones. And then people were like, oh, we like onesies. And I'm like, I love onesies. Yeah. It's cute. It's fun. It is. Yeah. Yeah. The onesies. But yeah, so it is, it is misleading. It's the one man podcast. So there's even times where, um, I'll invite a friend to co-host the podcast with me. So, and usually the, the argument, like, yeah, people are like, oh yeah, the one man podcast where he has guests. I'm like, it's a bonus episode yeah you know what i mean i'm showcasing yeah, you must get version. razzed
0: about that shit
1: <laughs> i yeah, dude in this industry you take shit for everything
0: yeah do you know well, what i mean? meant like playfully like yeah
1: oh all right well i take it playfully and and like very boy would you call it that oh yeah i don't listen then if, you, We're, if you're mad, um, mad at the as
0: like, the, like a fellow podcaster i was actually curious where you get the most traction with your show for listeners <sighs>
1: It, the, dude, the more stupid I am, the more ignorant, the more wrong I am about subjects. Oh, I
0: meant platforms. I meant like, do you get the most oh. hits on Spotify or like? Uh, Apple podcasts. Apple. Okay. Yeah. Cause I'm yeah. on all of them, but I still feel like I got the most, I put my focus into YouTube the most.
1: Yeah. Well, yours is visual. So that. Yeah,
0: yeah. true. I, I like that angle right from the beginning. Yeah.
1: I'd like to do it. I always just feel like I have to look halfway decent. That's where the hats on. not, it's do not. A funny, man, I don't
0: even think I ever, I ever said this on uh, an episode, but. I have broken the streak now eventually, but for like the first, I want to say like 40, 45 episodes, I always had a different outfit on every single time. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know why. I was just like, well, it started (laughs) off with some self-conscious like, oh, well, I wore that one other ago. I don't want people to think I don't wash my clothes or I have a limited wardrobe or, and then I just started having fun with it. I would just zip out to value village and find like a t-shirt or like buy a $10 $10 t-shirt well, at, at Walmart, you know, look whatever.
1: at TV series where they film an entire season in a day and they're wearing the same fucking thing on different episodes. Cause they filmed a bunch of them. The same yeah, day. That's, Do you
0: know
1: that's, what I mean? Like, and, and that's the thing is it, 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 you could kill yourself trying to make sure that, Oh, I've done this for people. They won't complain about that. I did this. I like there's parts of the podcast that felt like work. I, I I've had multiple uh, partners. I don't like to say sponsors because I like to partner with companies, but I've had partners like uh, the Uncle John's Bathroom Readers was one of my partners early on. And every week I would pick a random article from one of their their books to just read on the podcast. That started at the point where I like I have to record a podcast. I don't have a I don't have a fucking article picked, and I would try to make the articles. You know, conducive, not conducive. Uh, you know, they reflected on something we were talking about. Dramatic, yeah. yeah, But just there would be times where I'm like, I I don't have three hours to to keep reading articles. Now that one, yeah, that one was, but it's it sucked. It was boring. It's it's six pages long. Yeah. Like. So it became like I started to find these things where I'm like, well, what's work? Yeah. On the podcast, like what feels like work, and what are people gravitating towards so in terms of like what do i get the most uh interaction from the audience is when i'm wrong about something so when people go like why don't you do your research first i'm like well for starters when i research and say it nobody says anything when I, when I go, I'm going to just do the best of my knowledge and even ham up the incorrect stuff occasionally, then you guys send me emails and shit on me. I'm like, well, it's yeah. what I'm getting the interaction that I want from that. So why would I, why would I fix that by, by first off spending more time in advance researching?
0: Yeah. It's, it's funny <laughs> the things the we decide to, to fixate on. I don't know. Like I've uh one thing that I still do to this day with my show that I would say maybe even actively works against me based on all the popular YouTube videos I've seen is uh, every intro I do, which I started when I started doing the zoom interviews, Uh, I did a mini intro when I would have guests here, but with the zoom thing, I always say, you know, follow, subscribe, all that shit. And then I I do a little intro about the guest and I always do it in like a single take. I, and every YouTube I see is like 25 edits for like a fucking paragraph that they're trying to communicate to their audience so much so that it's become the style, this, add sporadic editing thing that, that I, jolts I, per minute
1: or whatever it's and called. i'm
0: like i'm like i did theater in high school sometimes and stuff like to me i take pride in being able to m- memorize the script quote unquote or whatever and um i don't know it's just something i've always sort of passionately stuck to but i realized looking back on all my episodes that my intro has co- probably been created a lot quicker if i would have just been willing to sacrifice that you i know?
1: i have an intro for the podcast that says like here's what it is here's here's where you can find it please like and subscribe all oh and stuff. you just play the same and way. i was trying to just record it just all in one thing. And then I'm like, fuck, I got to script this. Yeah. Right. So, because I'm forgetting things and now the whole take is shit because I, I couldn't remember. So I'm like, well, I better script it. And then I'd write it all out and this and that stuff. Sometimes it, it seems a little sterile when it's scripted. Yeah. But then I had to, like, it like broken into paragraphs and points. And I'm like trying to do the whole thing in one one read. And then I click or stutter or whatever. Because now I'm reading and yeah. not performing.
0: Oh, yeah. And then I, I was agree. just like,
1: dude, I can I can do like the the, the paragraph I like. And I'll do a new take on the next one. If I well, fuck it's it easier up. when
0: you're yeah. audio only though, right? Oh, hell yeah. I feel everything like everything on
1: YouTube is cut, 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 cut. Yeah.
0: Cut. I don't know why it bugs me so much. And again, if I could get on board with that, I feel like my videos would probably do better, but.
1: Well, the, the thing is like, you know, the audience seems to be on board with it. I noticed it too. And I'm like, what's with all the slam, slam, cut, slam. slam but cut,
0: that might cut, just go out of fashion in five, 10 years. Right. That's the other thing I keep thinking is that what I'm doing now, maybe 10 years from now, it, things will gyrate back that way. And it'll be, you know, more back but here's the
1: thing you can cheat what i notice when they do their cuts sometimes like a lot of the cut, 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 cut bit, 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 yeah. bit, i don't i, I don't like that so you what's room, going on guys cut, 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 cut. Hey, yeah. hey guys boom yeah and dude what hey yeah blah, like, blah, blah, blah. Damn, like those uh what's that one the guy does the marvel more... stuff there everything always or or one of those ones where the guys with the short little button nose i don't
0: know
1: he's always doing like like marvel movie stuff hey with this thing here they're always oh going, i know what who you are talking about
0: emergency awesome isn't that Something like that. that one of those one? guys has
1: got the blonde hair. He's like, wow, can you believe Scarlet Witch? Like, what? Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. Snap, snap, snap. Like yeah. it's always, I'm like, okay, okay easy. Yeah, it's one obnoxious. Of the things you can find. cheat your video if you're doing an intro, when you if you do a cut that they don't see, you just put like the face of your guest on for half a second. Then they then when you're going back to the video, they don't know that it all wasn't one cut, right? True, yeah. I think I have- little like, like cheats, like little things- I used my contact
0: card cuts. once maybe to cover up a, a visual thing that was wrong. The one thing I, I have done a couple of times is editing- um, if you're doing like a in-person interview, because my dad would cut back the camera from me to the guest to me to the guest, you can sometimes time excise little parts of the conversation without anyone being any the wiser because so-and-so is talking and then you cut back to the other person. And I try not to do that unless it's something that's really, you know, sometimes you go down an angle or a tangent that's so niche that you're like, no one's almost like the board game shit at the beginning of this one, you know? No, oh, yeah, yeah. Like some people who love board games are gonna be like, Fuck, I love these comics and I love them talking about board games, but
1: Sometimes people don't even find that they're interested. Like, like on Bill Burr's podcast, he talks about like his helicopter stuff and him flying his helicopter. I don't know anything about that, but it's, but, but listening sucks. to him yeah. talk passionately about yes. it is a little interesting. Definitely. You know, he goes off on sports. I don't care about sports anymore, but, but I still listen. Or a podcast you drums. like,
0: a podcast you like has a guest on that you don't know at all. And you still find, you're like, Oh, it's still super enjoyable. I like this person now, you know?
1: Yeah. It's nice to get to know somebody with no mandate. Like you watch interviews on TV that are like three minutes long and it's like, yeah, they're just answering generic questions. There's no deep dive into the person. You don't get to learn what who they are as a so person. True, yeah. That's what I like about my, my interviews that I was doing was like, it started off where I was going to have Jason as a guest. Right. So like, for example, I was telling you before that sometimes I'll have a co-host on the one man podcast uh, example is when I went to Los Angeles with Mike LeBlanc, um, Mikey co-host with me because we were together every day so I'm going to talk about what was going on in the week well he's,
0: so relevant yeah his
1: being here is absolutely relevant and it's a yeah. different lens on the same exact thing so sometimes I will have co-hosts if somebody has been predominantly a part of my life in the last week or whatever That's smart. yeah the-
0: I noticed with or- those co-hosts you never include their last name in the, the episode no just
1: not just- with my friend it's not my
0: it's always place Chris or yeah
1: yeah exactly now if it's a guest like a comic I'll put their first and last name because they're want to have it's a
0: plug yeah
1: yeah exactly but i'm very respectful to to everyone else to to be like i'm not going to try to push you and they're like paul meyer and i worked together for a week and paul's got his own interview episode but that particular episode just the regular weekly one man podcast was he was with me because we just worked together for a week and we were talking about all sorts of funny stuff and things like that that we had so as much as it's like it's the one man podcast like the the pot the the episode numbers where it's a numbered episode that's the weekly one and that one man will most of the topic be me you know what i mean so that's what they can expect from one possibly if it says one man podcast and then a name well that one man or woman uh <laughs> or or other guess? uh will be that person showcased and that's what that episode is about. it's but that person
0: that's cool to have me. that duality though yeah
1: it's just why, why limit yourself on, on content. And I like to call them bonus episodes. I'm not expected. You know, I just recorded a bonus episode this morning that'll be on Friday with, with J.F. Gerard, nice. And um, yeah, and it was it was really, really, uh, it was cool. But I, I, I like that. I don't know. It's, it's content. It's whatever stupid thoughts come into my head. The, um, you'll, you try things over the course of, of the thing to see what sticks. Some segments stick, some don't. Something I, I've started recently that seems to be getting a lot of attention is my top five list. Um, I think I'm only five or six deep into the top five list, but I like to make them small little niche section lists. So for example, I've got, uh, I think the, the one of them, like even the, the onesies will submit stuff. One of them submitted a, uh what what is this what they asked me to say go if you guys want me to do one he goes what are your top five strip club moments and i told i'm not a big strip club guy but i have had some some stories happen i told my top five i i did a top five list of like the top five types of jump scares in in horror movies not 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 top five jump scares but top five like types of jump jump scares just because i watch a lot of horror movies and i was like in my opinion right so it would be like that whole like as an example of like, like on the list would be like the, the, the mirror or fridge door jump scare, right. Where it's like, there's nothing there. They open the mirror, close it. Boom. Something's behind them, whatever, <laughs> but just a fun little list. And, and the idea is that rather than the list being like, blam, 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 blam. Okay. That was my top five. It's like, you get to go. It's a little bit of a talking point for each one. So this, this week, I'm that's, doing the.
0: Oh, sorry. Sorry to cut no, you no, off. Please, please. I was just going to say that's an awesome premise. And I'm definitely going to be checking out some more of your show. Cause I, I wanted to say, well, first of all, I don't know if we're going to get cut off because every time I set a time limit for uh, an interview like this, I don't know how Zoom operates, if it's just going to cut us off oh, okay, abruptly okay. or not. Um, and I set it for two hours and 45, so this is by far the longest episode. Oh, I'm um, so sorry. No, no, not even. That's <laughs> awesome. Fun, I was going to say, I don't think I'll edit much of this out. The previous record holder for my show was like two hours and 21 minutes, I think, and we're well past that, so you're the new record holder. But um, I always have one question I ask at the end, um, sure. which is, for this season at least, which is if you could have dinner with any person dead or alive that you've never met before, who would it be and why?
1: That I've never met?
0: Yeah, because I don't want everyone saying their grandma or somebody else that they want to revisit, but someone you've never actually interacted with. They can be (laughs) someone who is no longer alive. But um, and remember that you might only have three minutes (laughs) before we get cut off. I don't know.
1: Well, here's the thing is I got to meet this person once very briefly, but I would love to have got their insight on more things. Okay. Does that, does that, in my? sure? Yeah,
0: like we've had a couple exceptions here and there's fine. Yeah.
1: Like, well, I, I met George Carlin before I saw him at the national oh, no way. center long enough to get an autograph and a picture and maybe a two minute conversation, but I was not a comedian at the time, yeah. uh, nor had I entertained the idea of ever becoming a comedian at the time. So he was somebody who I found to be particularly empathetic, caring, very intelligent, Definitely. very analytical, curious, yeah, yeah. Um language. Up. He was so big on language and wording, which yes, is something yes. that our society is really struggling with right now. It's the words. Who gives a shit what you mean with those words? Yes. Just, just what word did you say?
0: Oh, he he'd be having a field day if he was alive in 2021. I just
1: I just love to know. I'd love to know how he how he navigated the business because he was one of those guys that didn't sit around and drink all night with the comics. Like he, he did his job, he went home. Yeah. He always treated every other comic with with respect and dignity. Um he never made someone feel like hey I'm up here and you're down there. He was he was what I heard people refer to as a good king.
2: Yeah, um classy. you know what I
1: mean like he he was a good dude. He was good to me when I met him. It was an exception that they made to let to let me meet him. It was he was not doing a meet and greet. They Oh that's they so cool. Went to ask him and he said yes and brought me back and was so kind. This was in between two shows probably a year or two before he died. Wow. In between two shows in a sold out theater and as a comic now i know how valuable that downtime is between shows so the fact that like you know i was just gonna like thanks for the picture thanks for the autograph have a great show and he was like so how are you guys doing like he gave more than we asked for yeah man and awesome. and i would just love to be like dude how did you navigate the business how did you stay this but what what kept you so humble where you know your curiosity i read his book last words and uh it just i don't know it just seemed like he was such a great dude and i remember when i was young I remember being a curious, challenging, questioning person, like he seemed to be. And I remember him being the first person when I, when I saw his stand up and him asking like tough questions about life, religion, politics, authorities, like things like that. Uh, just feeling like I wasn't alone. You know yeah. what I mean? Cause a lot of people in my life were like, ah, stop being so difficult. What are you asking questions for? Are you just trying to argue. And I just remember feeling like there's something wrong with me. Why do I have all these questions and nobody has any answers or nobody wants to talk about it. And then just seeing this guy, like not only challenging the same shit you know with questions but like here's some ideas i'm like yes it dude seeing him made me feel like i wasn't broken for having these questions that's
0: a, a great answer dude and like even oh. if you hadn't met him that still would have been a, an awesome choice for someone to have dinner with but that's backstory makes it extra special that's so cool yeah
1: i just would love to have said to him like like how did you know ne- yeah how did you get through having all these questions and, and whatever i don't know such oh, a smart man funny. such a good good person
0: Thank you for sharing that. That was a great answer, man. Um, and again, yeah, I hope I, I guess we don't get cut off because it looks like it's 45 now and it's still recording. So I finally I probably could have Googled that so fucking long ago. And instead, I always just keep bailing with the last. Minute. Well, it's,
1: it's safe bet to have that canned ending ready just in case
0: yeah but it's dumb oh, of me not to google it after every time that i've been stressing about this to just turn around and be like oh yeah that's not a
1: thing well you yeah, can go yeah. back and erase it from history as is the trend you didn't True. forget all yeah. this time <laughs> you can edit that right out and you've never once forgotten to google it. you googled it every single time on
0: there the time. you go yeah <laughs>
1: history can be whatever we want we don't need time machines we just need just woke, social things. justice warriors yeah they're the bill and ted's of our time <laughs> Shit, Man.
0: Um, thank you so much for spending your time with me. And uh, I hope everyone goes and checks out one man podcast. I'm definitely going to hit it up. I think you're a natural on air personality. I know you're a great comic, but I was definitely really impressed with your skills as just a, you've got a great voice for radio, you know? Um, so very, yeah, I've been very in my
1: that's very, very kind. Yeah. And feel free. Uh, if I could just throw this out to your audience, feel free to, to send in anything you want to contact at one man podcast, uh, oops, yeah, contact at one man uh, My, my deal is you send it. I read it. I don't care what it is. That's it's awesome. still yours. I won't pass it off as my own thoughts or whatever, but I, I will give a voice that if you send it in, I read it on the podcast. That's the deal. Whether it be a top five list. I've, I've told people if you want to send in your top five, Uh, of, of what I read. So this week for me, my top five that I'll be doing is the top five books that I bought, want to read, but haven't yet. So (laughs) I'll talk a little bit about each one of them. Believe it or not, men are from Mars, women are from Venus is on that list only because I've started to read it and I've heard all these talks, but I've never, I've never finished it. So I, I too want to want to get that one out. But um, yeah, if you want to send in your top five books, you haven't read, you want to send in your super, you want to create your own top five list, uh, you know, to have done that you want to tell me about or you want me to do whatever it is, send it in. I'll read it. I'm happy to give anyone a platform. Uh dude, thank you so much. Yeah, of for, course, for man, having, this was a blast.
0: Uh, Clearly we can do this again sometime because we could have kept going forever, it seems like. So <laughs> any
1: anytime you want, anytime you want. If you got a quiet week where you might not have a guest, I know what that uh, might be like. You just uh yeah, let me know and we'll we'll shoot the shit.
0: Dude, yeah. It would be a pleasure to do this again, man. Thanks, All right. Buddy. Thanks for stopping by, dude. Peace
2: out.